0: You're listening to the Plane Talking UK Podcast.
1: The UK based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carlos Stebbings, Matt Smith and Neville Bounds. Well hello and welcome to episode number 174 of the Plane Talking UK Podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and joining me back in the kitchen studio this week is my co-host Matt Smith. Well hello everyone, welcome. (laughs) Welcome, welcome. 174. Like, we 174. Really are, through we them, are we? getting through
2: are It's going to be our we? special
1: 200th episode really I soon. Know, I know.
2: It's getting so close.
1: So uh, we've also got, also with us this week, as usual, our awesome uh, co-host as well joining us, Mr. Neville Bounds. Good evening to you, Nev.
3: Hello. How's everybody? all we're, good we're all good <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah
1: absolutely Excellent. it's been an exciting <laughs> evening yeah, has uh, been, been one of those days isn't it yeah, but it's so no we are
3: all well and it uh, yeah, it's been a bit of a, uh, have a hectic week over here actually but uh, no very very good and we'll talk more about that later on i'm sure Indeed, so, yes. yeah Nev, great to be back on the show thank
2: you nev's um yes
1: nev's, nev's been out in the field for us this week mm. busy doing lots of important things yeah. yes. yes so joining us as a guest host this week he's back he's the king of harpjet He is the legend in the cabin. It's our own little... Well, he's a little diamond,
4: isn't he? In the rough. It's Owen. Hey, guys. Thank you very much for that wonderful introduction, Carlos. Uh, Slightly scarring, isn't it? Slightly (laughs) uh, Um, old-playing.
1: Yeah. Great to be back on the show. how's, How's things with you, Owen? Where have you been this week? Barcelona?
4: Um, I've only had one flight since the last show. Oh, Uh, oh, and you've got you've got to tell them what happened on. Was it was
2: it? It was a Tuesday night, wasn't it? You've got to tell everyone what happened on Tuesday night. Um, So hideous!
1: (laughs) Hold on, wasn't Tuesday night when we had Mm. that really, really, really huge and I mean the size of Great Britain, thunderstorm.
0: I think there was one or two thunderclouds in the sky, certainly. Anyway, carry Um, on now. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) absolutely.
4: So uh, we went out to Nice and back, and going to Nice was fairly straightforward. Uh, Coming back then, though, we departed slightly late just because of the weather. We wanted to wait for it to move away from uh, Stansted Airport, so we didn't leave Nice uh, for about half an hour. Um, Got into the air and held over the channel for about... About 30 minutes, 40 minutes um, before we decided to divert. Um, So this is my first diversion that I've had in uh, over a year of working um, for Harpjet. And uh, we diverted to East Midlands, where we stayed on the ground for another hour and a half. (laughs) My my commiserations. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we got back to Stansted about two o'clock in the morning, just over two and a half hours late. So.
2: Yeah, I think I think uh, Owen. I think you messaged me about was it three twenty in the morning or something stupid, saying that you'd <laughs> finally <laughs> escaped the terminal building after doing much yeah. paperwork. Uh, but you because you could <laughs> well, that, be wasn't, fair, yeah, this that wasn't, wasn't the end. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, wasn't, it, it just wasn't just the end of the story, was it? Of course, because there's no buses running at that time of the morning, so Ooh, Owen can't get yeah. away from the terminal building until the buses start again at twenty past four. Uh,
4: so, yeah. so yeah, well, it was I, either that or pay twenty something quid to get back home in a taxi, which is just a bit ridiculous. Yeah, at that time of
2: the
1: night yeah I suppose yeah so yeah so, so, yeah, so. so basically you've, you've had a really you had a really fun flight that that day <laughs> yeah <absolutely>.
5: um
4: <laughs> it was interesting to say the least yeah, yeah
1: indeed
2: um so uh nev now you you obviously been whizzing, whizzing you're forever whizzing over the entire world uh have you done, uh, done any flying this week at all
3: no, uh, nothing actually what? really in, in the flying calendar officially until November the 1st. Ooh. But I've got a couple of trips lined up, um, possibly Munich and <gasps> very possibly uh, Salvador in Brazil yeah. in um, October. Brazil. So that might, that might yeah. be interesting. I've never been to South America
1: before. Wow. so uh, I did notice so, the uh, more... BA's shares have gone down a bit this right, week. Right, OK. So. they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there yeah. we
2: are. What can you say? Anyway, we so probably ought to is... crack on. Yes. It
1: is the uh, the twenty first of July. Still, it is right. twenty six minutes past seven. Yeah. Uh, we've got uh, loads of people in the chat room. Too many names to mention. Oh, and so we've many, got so stuff many stuff to yeah, get on. Yeah, but uh, welcome to everyone who's joined us in the chat room this yeah. evening uh, during the show. So we've got uh, we've got a segment from uh, Nev coming up later. Yep. We've got uh, a, a bit of feedback from Barbara. Yep. We've also got a segment from Pip. Yes, and we've got our first interview. From the Royal International Air Tattoo area, and Fair, also
2: we, we've got something very special from the old pilot as well. That's we have, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Captain Nick sent in an awesome little bit. Yes, absolutely. Afternoon. Talking so, about yeah, turbulence, which we're is. looking forward to covering. So, uh, but very as top it's, top top.
2: Uh, as we do every month, it's time to uh, uh, sort of uh, thank those that help uh, help us get the show out. And Nev, we'll hand this over to you, if we may. Yeah,
3: they're very important uh, contributors, and uh, this month uh, for the patrons, and it's uh, from Adrian Meacham, Captain Jeff, Dr. Steph, Stuart Black, Jeff Newman, Liz Piper, Adam Spink, Matt Donomaya, Jeff Ward, Ben Todd, York Muller, Philip uh, Labe, Captain L. Matthew Bunting-Frame, Myla, Ryan Harper, Jenny Parkinson, Stuart Backer, Ray Williams. And a special thanks to Philip Davis as well for his very kind contribution to the show. It all helps, ladies and
2: gentlemen. It certainly does. It certainly does. And with that in mind, of course, we've got several uh, air shows coming up, uh, one of which is actually next weekend. And if all goes according to plan, on the Saturday at Old Buckingham Air Show, you will find myself and Owen. We will be there, hopefully, if fingers crossed, everything goes according to plan ...on the Saturday. And then myself and Carlos will be live, doing a show live from there on the Sunday. So if you are going to the Old Buckingham Air Show, please do make sure you come and say hello. We've got some exclusive footage that we're going to hopefully be playing out um, while we're there. So, So don't forget,
1: if you want to donate to the show, take yourself to the website and click on the Patreon tab. Become a Patreon to the show. Anything from a dollar whatever you've got lying around in the sofa, down the back of the uh, car seat or under the mats in the car. Or if you've just got a few quid lying around, it'd be awesome if you could (laughs) donate. And it all goes to help towards the show. Excellent. Well, so we are going to start the show then as we do each week with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Matt. I am indeed, yes. And if you're ready, Nev barely (laughs) (laughs) and if you're ready Owen I'm ready let's go Kicking off this week's first news story on the uh, traveller.com.au And uh, the headline... Uh, Australia, well, mate. Well, actually, no, no, sorry, this is the telegraph.co.uk, I hey, should say. What? Uh, sorry, <laughs> bit of a bit of a mishap with the uh, stories there, but this is, uh, yeah, this is on the telegraph.co.uk. It's going so and, well. <laughs> uh, the headline, Introducing June, that's J-O-O-N, the All new right. airline for millennials. Okay. Hmm so air france is launching a new airline aimed at millennials whose lifestyles revolve around digital technology oh this will give up for you matt the carrier has okay. announced so scheduled uh, to launch this september june uh, will offer an innovative and offbeat experience to its young and connected jet setting clientele claims air france the new brand has been entirely designed to meet their requirements and aspirations, the carrier said in a statement. Sporting a more hip and casual feel, passengers can expect to be served by cabin crew wearing electric blue coloured uh, basic and chic uniforms, white, uh, thick white trainers, Blazers with rolled up sleeves, polo shirts, and ankle length trousers. I've already glazed over, ladies and gentlemen. The cruise apparel, which was reportedly inspired by workers in a Silicon Valley startup, is uh, supposed to capture the airline's dynamic attitude. A millennial, I wonder what one of those was, typically describes someone aged between 18 and 35. Oh. Oh dear! No, uh, oh that definition. Has, there's there's uh, only one person in this current environment who fits that brief. Sadly, uh, though that definition yeah. has been a source of much debate. Air France told CNN that uh, that 40-year-old passengers would be allowed to fly at June. Oh. However, it's unclear whether passengers who fall further outside that millennial age bracket will be welcome on board. Oh. It's also unclear whether the cabin crew must also be. Millennials. So Air France could not confirm where it will be flying or how much the tickets are going to cost or whether there will be any services designed with Millennials in mind, such as enhanced in-flight entertainment systems or targeted food and drink menus. It did, however, reveal that June would not be a low cost airline. Further information about the new airline will follow in September this year when June is expected to launch European routes from Paris. Uh, long-haul flights will follow in 2018, Telegraph Travel understands, and the new carrier will use single-aisle A320s, as well as the long-range twin-aisle A340s and A350s. It says here, the generation has inspired us a lot, uh, said Caroline Fontaine, VP, brand at Fair France, describing Millennials. Uh, the epicurean and connected they are opportunist in, oh, blimey, in a positive sense of the word they are known to how to enjoy every moment are in such a quality of experiences that they want to share with others June is a brand that carries these values well that's Interesting um, So
2: throwing this out To the only person here At the appropriate is, age group hi. Who can make any comment <coughs> On any of this Because let's be honest Chaps The rest of us are all Far too bloody old uh, <laughs> Owen uh, <laughs> yeah. Now come on Now now, if they're talking About it being uh, Like sort of may- Maybe the crew I mean great news for you uh, It just means you might Need to brush up On your French uh, If you're going to fly On this particular carrier But yeah. uh, I mean h- How would um, you feel about I mean is, is this the outfits That they're talking about <laughs> yeah. For for the for the for the cabin crew as well. Yeah. yeah. Now, how do you feel about uh, that? Because I don't. I, know.
4: I think there's there's one really kind of point that that, that hits me, and it's uh, the point of um, authority and the, the the flight crew and the cabin crew's authority. Mm. Um, when you're looking at someone who's yeah. Dressed dressed out in... Fridays, yeah. <laughs> clubbing gear. Yeah, yeah right. but, Well, I was yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to put it uh, more eloquently than that. But yeah, clubbing gear. Yeah. Um, or that—that's. I don't think that gives an image of authority, or uh, I don't think people will respect their authority as much as they might respect someone else who is in, shall we say, more formal. Uh, a formal uniform or a more standard uniform?
2: I mean, I, mean, I, mean I, I would argue that perhaps it makes, um, uh, w- when you're wearing your sort of shirt and tie and all that kind of thing, an appropriate outfit, of course, it does mean that you do obviously stand out from the punters, um, you know. So well, like, it's very easy exactly to identify it, um, who you need to talk to if you've got a problem, essentially.
4: Exactly. And I don't know that that particular uh, point will, or that, that particular attitude will come across on this airline. Mm. Um, But I think it is a good idea if they're they're trying to do it around digital technology, around sort of uh, a newer generation. I think there's a lot of prestige um, involved with flying with a carrier like Air France or British Airways or those sort of carriers. Um, So it might appeal to a clientele who wants a little bit more upmarket than your uh, easyjets or ryanairs or uh some of the low cost airlines and maybe quite not as uh shall we say snobby <laughs> as uh, some of the more mainline carriers captain has
1: yeah. said in the chat room does anyone remember denim air the cabin what? crew what? their cabin crew
4: wore levi 501s
2: really mm. didn't know <laughs> oh, didn't know right well. okay.
4: What I also think um, uh, what's Nikki Lauder's um, carrier called uh Lauder. Lauder Is it is that just Lauder? Yeah, yeah. I think they have... it was actually no it was Nikki was uh, Nikki, wasn't yes, it Nikki, actually? Yeah. Nikki, that's yeah. the one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is, yeah. 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 I think they also have jeans as well if I'm not mistaken. Um, I don't
2: know it, is, it must be because I'm now officially reaching the stage of old fart but I, it doesn't it doesn't work for me personally I I I do think it we ought to just cling on to you know people
4: still wearing shirt and tie and things I don't know I just it's just well, I wouldn't that. be comfortable in jeans. The only reason I wouldn't be comfortable in jeans is because when you go out to places like de Mallorca and Malaga and maybe uh, Marrakesh and those in the height of summer and you have 35 degrees outside, you open the aircraft doors and you get a blast of hot air. And I yeah. don't think I could manage to stand in jeans for
2: for more than about 10 seconds, yes. No. No. Yeah, Could point. I
4: just interrupt uh, very briefly, uh, chaps? Uh, a
3: bit of a message from Captain Al. Okay. Uh, he's oh. asked us to put out a shout-out to passengers at Aberdeen Airport who've been delayed by 38 hours <gasps> on their flights <gasps> to Friday uh, due to a slight tech issue there. Someone um, So uh, <laughs> um, we're very sorry. Uh, they they this, uh, could... They, they I'm could. sure the airline is doing their, their very best. I'm it. sure.
2: Well, and it, ideally what they should be doing, obviously, is watching our marvellous show as a way exactly. of passing many, many hours.
1: Uh, but <laughs> Apparently one of the passengers follows Al on Twitter Really? There you go. Mm. Oh boy there we go. Okay, well there we are that's So we all, we all have our cross to bear, don't we? Uh, so <laughs> moving swiftly on Moving swiftly on, Matt, mm. the next story yeah. Actually, uh, to be
2: fair, couldn't they have swum home in this time? I mean, probably <laughs> <have>.
1: <laughs> Perhaps they were waiting for our show to start
2: ah, I see, yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to miss a minute, you see, that's what it was There, yeah. there we go Right, bit so like, dude. Bit late. Anyway, okay, on to the next story. This is the Birmingham Mail, and it's right, it's story number two. So that means one thing and one thing only. <laughs> Good old Ryanair, Birmingham Mail. Ryanair passenger fury after all planes' luggage left behind at Birmingham Airport after baggage belt failure. So furious passenger airline, uh, sorry, furious airline passengers claim their luggage arrived at their destination 24 hours after their flight landed from Birmingham Airport, caused by a baggage belt. Failure. Financial consultant Aaron Moran, 58, uh, I don't know why the age is relevant, was <laughs> among holidaymakers who were caught uh, who caught the Ryanair flight FR3091 to Malta yesterday at 7am. Oh no, your, air- your favourite airport. Oh, Carlos. It final. gets better, this story. Oh, does story. it? He landed in the capital <laughs> of Valletta. Pardon? Uh, Valletta.
1: He landed where?
2: He landed in the capital, Valletta. He landed in the capital
1: of Valletta <laughs> in Malta. Uh, okay, right. Can I just point out, for anyone who doesn't know, um, <laughs> the capital of Valletta, right. which, uh, or the capital, which is Valletta of Malta. I'm guessing it's not Valletta. nowhere near the airport, which is in Lucca. Right. Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, um, you okay. know, it's uh, not anywhere right. near. Okay. It's, a, it's about a half an hour. So is Valletta the capital? 25-minute drive. Valletta's the capital, right, yes, that's but what there are no runways in okay. Valletta. Okay. Well, uh, um, maybe they landed on the road. I mean, there's yeah. a big harbour there for <laughs> right. cruise ships. Okay, but right. we'll just put that straight uh, for the Birmingham Mail. So
2: but, um, <laughs> we'll talk
1: about uh,
3: inaccurate
2: media reporting a bit later on, maybe. Oh, maybe. excellent. Carry on <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, yeah. Do you mind? That's all right with oh, you. Uh, yes, Yet, uh, so he landed at the capital, of Valletta, with wife uh, Tra- Trachia tracia at 11am uh, that's an operation isn't it that is, uh, <laughs> yeah. thats, a, that's a, something to do with breathing difficulties at 11am and they waited for their two suitcases to appear on the carousel yet the couple claimed horrified passengers were told all of the passenger luggage had been left behind Ryanair has blamed a baggage belt failure at the airport for the luggage problems which were beyond our control Uh, we weren't the only ones watching the empty conveyor belt go round and round and round for over an hour said Mr Moran none of the 150 or so passengers luggage had made it to Valletta and there was uproar there was total confusion and nobody from Ryanair told us what was happening Uh, we presumed our luggage had been loaded into the wrong aeroplane at Birmingham airport or it never made it in onto the aeroplane at all Mr Moran said that the couple waited more than three hours at the airport with no explanation for the missing luggage before going on to their hotel the excelsior well um it's uh, a bit of a communications <laughs> faux pas i think that's probably the best way to describe this story not really a lot else we can say about it so i think we should move on
1: <laughs>
6: i
2: just think it's
1: indeed me- it's media at it's best honestly yes. um yeah Oh, I don't know. It's, it is a big harbour, though. Perhaps they did land on the water. Perhaps. You know, Maybe that's you know,
2: why they lost their, their luggage. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so moving they, on. They, they ejected it over the, over the uh, yes, anyway. Yes, <laughs> yes, perhaps it was
3: Valletta South or, or something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely,
1: <laughs> indeed. indeed. So moving on to the next story, uh, Nev, this is uh, all for you.
3: Yes, in the independent and uh, it's a BA story. And uh, so there must be some stardust in the air. It says a week after Air New Zealand launched its latest uh, in flight safety video, which went uh, swiftly went viral, clocking up 16 million views on YouTube. British Airways has released its star-studded equivalent. Well, it needs some PR at the moment, that's for sure. Does it? And uh, <laughs> the six-minute film runs through the safety instructions for BA flights, as well as introducing their Flying Start charity, which supports comic relief. The video, produced in conjunction with the charity, features the likes of Gordon Ramsay and Gillian Anderson running through the safety demo. Tandy Newton is on hand to explain where the emergency exits are, and Rob Brydon demonstrates the use of a life jacket and Sir Ian McKellen and and Warwick Davis show how to use an oxygen mask. Jim Broadbent, meanwhile, demonstrates how to put his tray table up and down, and Rowan Atkinson finishes off the film with some Mr Bean-style capers with the Flying Start donations envelope. Comedian Asim Chowdhury compares in the guise of a director, auditioning 10 celebrities for the video. And a longer version of the film will be shown on flights from the 1st of September, replacing the current animated film, which has run for the past 12 years. This is the first video for use celebrities, uh, though other airlines, notably Air New Zealand, have done so before with great success. And uh, Air New Zealand's Jody Williams told The Independent this week that their videos doubled as marketing tools for both the airline and New Zealand as a destination. And uh, Air New Zealand's 13th video, which stars Katie Holmes and Cuba. Gooding Jr. uh, has already been viewed 16 million times. The British Airways film, meanwhile, has managed a respectable 236,000 in a day. Not bad. And Mm. that's pretty good, isn't it? And BA uh, CEO Alex Cruz said in the statement, It's extremely important to us that customers engage with our safety video, and involving some of the nation's most well known personalities has given us the chance to create something fun that we hope people will watch from start to finish. And the video is a rare piece of good news during a period where the airline has been hit by negative stories like the cabin crew strike and the recent bank holiday meltdown. And uh, not everyone is happy about the release. One member of the cabin crew who wished to remain anom- anonymous told The Independent, paying celebrities to promote the latest five-minute wonder is both a kick in the <laughs> teeth and a show of disregard to BA's struggling staff. They should be paying attention to their crumbling airline instead. And A BA spokesman, spokesman said that the airline does not comment on relationships with Celebrities, but everyone involved in the video has already an established relationship with Comic Relief. The only thing I would say about this, um, notwithstanding the, all, the, all the negative comments about it, I think if it's a good safety video, people will actually watch it. And what's yeah. the biggest problem that, mm. that the airlines have? That is people yeah. not watching the safety video. Yeah, so well, I true. think this is a, a positive move for the airline and uh, be interesting to see uh, how it goes down.
2: So, for those of you watching on YouTube and listening to the podcast, Ooh. here is your opportunity then. So, let's play it for you now and see
6: what you think. Okay, so you're here to audition for a part in the British Airways safety information video. Can you just look into the camera and give your name, please? Hi, I'm Chiwetel 4 And have you done any safety videos before? No, only feature films. Well, this could be your big break, okay, mate? So don't mess it up. Shall we get one in the can, guys? Now listen, Chiwetel, there's going to be an auto cue, so you don't have to learn the lines, you just read them. (laughs) Okay, focus. Okay, action! Hello. We will now demonstrate the safety features on this aircraft and your attention is essential as these may differ from any aircraft that you've flown on before. Hmm, bit of a show off. Take care; of your hand baggage does not block the aisles or exit, it must be put under the seat in front of you or in an overhead locker. Place items in the locker carefully as they may fall out and injure someone, especially if it's a bag full of duty-free goods, darling. Actually, sorry, that was meant for Joanna Lomley. Muppet. Sorry. In the case of an evacuation, you must move quickly to the closest usable exit, taking absolutely nothing with you. And I mean nothing, sweetie. Yeah, that's another one of her lines. F*** me. You <coughs> Sorry, um, action.
7: All exits are clearly marked and are being pointed out to you now. Please take a moment to locate your nearest exit, bearing in mind this may be behind you.
6: Wow, that was beautiful.
7: Mm, thanks.
6: I'm not seriously. That bit about the nearest exits really powerful. Please carry on, Fandy. Tandy. Dandy. Sorry.
7: Opening the doors automatically inflates the evacuation slides. And remember, high-heeled shoes must be taken off as they may tear the slide. God, no way. Designer shoes like me.
6: <laughs> We're so like soulmates. We should we should hang.
0: No. Cool. If the cabin air supply fails, oxygen will be provided. Masks like this will appear automatically. Stay in your seat and pull the mask towards you. Place the mask over your mouth and nose like this and breathe normally, adjusting the band to secure it. Please note that the bag may not inflate. In all the washrooms, top world and first cabins, you may need to pull on the colored streamer to release the mask. And please, please, do make sure your own mask is fitted before helping anyone else. That was so wonderful. You'll get the (laughs) pass. You think so? I hope so. Next.
8: Right. Pay attention, please. Your life jacket is underneath or beside your seat. If required, please remove the jacket from its container and pull it over your head. Pass the tapes around your waist and tie them securely in a double bow at the side and thus a double bow. To inflate, pull the red toggle as shown. When you see a red toggle, that's definitely the toggle to tug. Now the air in this rather wonderful jacket can be topped up by using this neat little mouthpiece. There's also a charming whistle and light combination for attracting attention, should you be one of those people who enjoys attention. And please, fairly obviously, do not inflate your lovely life jacket until you've actually left the aircraft. At which point, toggle up, inflate away, and whistle all you like.
6: Okay, so Jim, I'll read the line, and then when I do the nod, you do the action. Okay, yeah. Okay, please now ensure that your seat is upright and in the take position, with armrest down. Your footstool and video screen are stored if you have them, and your table is folded away. Genius look I got goosebumps.
0: Is that it? Just, just the tray table?
6: That's it and you smashed it oh.
0: well, I'd have a certain je ne sais quoi. <laughs> Thank you
9: In the unlikely event of the aircraft having to make an emergency landing you will be told to adopt this protective brace position If facing rearwards in club world you must adopt this position if you have any questions, please ask your cabin crew.
6: Great. Very intense. I love the sour face. Maybe we could try the next bit, just a little less serious.
9: Less serious.
6: Just chill out, mate, really. You know, maybe if you just move your head actually. Just No, no, it's yeah, fine. Uh, okay. You got it? Yeah, yeah. Just exactly. So we can see the beautiful smile. Very radiant. But it's not x files just no, there's no aliens got about. It. Just chill out, yeah? Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you, Jilian. Action.
9: You'll also find the Flying Start Donation envelope in your seat area. So if you've got any spare change in any currency, find it, take it out and put it in the envelope. Please.
6: Spot on. Okay, that's a wrap. On behalf of British Airways, Comic Relief and Flying Start, thank you for your attention and your kind donations.
9: Every penny of which will help children all over the world.
0: Living really tough lives. If
8: you have any questions or you can't find your safety card or
9: Or Flying Start envelope,
10: please ask one of your gorgeous cabin crew members. Have an enjoyable flight.
1: Lane Street Gillian Anderson is British she
2: is yes I'm afraid so now uh, it's fair to say we were watching the chat room while that was going out and I think it's fair to say it's very much split opinion mm. in the chat room there yeah. are some that like it there are some that don't like it one thing I have learned is nobody likes Gordon Ramsay <laughs> <laughs> Tony I S, uh, Tony oh, cool. S. I quite like
1: Gordon Ramsay. Yeah,
2: I do too, I, but uh, yeah. uh, yes, we, we're, not, we're not here for our
1: opinion, Owen. Uh, yeah, Tony <laughs> S has put uh, in the chat room, he's put, what a load of Charlie Romeo Alpha Papa. Oh dear. Yeah, he wasn't impressed by it. Was he not?
7: So. <laughs> okay, so
2: it's... yes. so it's, uh, uh, yeah, so it's uh, Scott, uh, where are we, sort of... Uh, uh, Barbara was actually making quite a good point, actually, which was... Uh, how it's sort of like, I may argue that this kind of film undermines the cabin crew authority. Mm. I know many may not agree. And to be fair, Captain Al was very briefly, this is a momentous moment. He was quite serious. Captain Al was actually quite serious for a a moment there, uh, sort of basically agreeing. So I don't know. I mean, I I kind of agree a little bit with Micah in the fact that he's saying that it's, you know, it is, if people sit there and watch it, I mean, the, the problem is now, now that we've played it, anyone who flies with British Airways has already seen it if they've watched our show so I don't know uh, mm. but uh, you know the, the amount of YouTube views and stuff are sort of, uh, sort of quite good I don't know if people watch it and they do actually pay attention to it then well, there's, someone here it okay?
1: there's someone here who's going to watch that video a heck of a lot well that's true Nev you're going to be so
3: sick of it <laughs> well they they've got to do something haven't they that, that you know they just cannot get people to watch the safety video in general terms mm-hmm. and if i'm on a a320 of ba there's probably more than 85% of the people mm-hmm. that aren't watching it so they have to do something is this the is this a step in slightly too far possibly um we'll have to see how it's received I mean, it's worth, in know, three four months new zealand. time
1: maybe
2: it has no, but it's, it's tru- worked for a new zealand. but is it not because now everybody's going to be basically everybody's going to compare it to the With air new, new zealand video yeah. because yeah. they did this sort of thing first, first where they did like yeah. the hobbit video yeah. and all that kind yeah. of thing i mean so they were really the people that sort of did it they first. were the pioneers yeah indeed pioneers uh yes oh, i, I, I good, do you
4: think it is a bit long though um, it's quite I, long. It, yeah. it, it's a very long safety demo. I mean, they're going to have
2: to le- start it the very second that everybody gets in the cabin, aren't they? So that it's ready for, t- like, so they're ready for takeoff. <laughs> but uh, uh, good news, by the way, Owen, Gordon Ramsay is great. That's from Jonathan Warner. But he does oh, yeah. sort of quantify that, saying maybe it's because I also get quite angry in the kitchen. So maybe it's yeah. kind of a double-edged sword, <laughs> that one. Um, but uh, BA is uh, scones, jams, clotted cream and Pimms. That sounds nice. Yes, I like that, yeah. Yes. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, so it's, um, <laughs> what's that? Good to hear the, oh, good to hear the return of the Peel Fisher music, of course, which is yeah. the track that they <laughs> used to use. You yeah. you know, what was, th- what was
1: uh, that? Yeah, it's my thing, you know.
2: <laughs> You were right there. have you just karaoke. trod on Poppycat or something? Yeah. Is
1: is so <laughs> moving on to the next story then, okay. getting on back to the aviation yeah. theme, oh, right. oh, how Mr. Nice. Owen. <laughs> This uh, next one is for you.
4: Um, so this one is from the DailyMail.co.uk, and it is. Uh, it says 30 bullets are found in an American Airlines worker's what? carry-on bag <laughs> after he flew from the U.S. to Japan. Bear in mind, this is the word after he flew. Oh, good. Yeah, me. this <laughs> is uh, slightly worrying. An American Airlines flight attendant was stopped flying uh, from Japan to the US, carrying 30 bullets in his hand luggage after he forgot they were in his bag. As you do. Police at at Tokyo's Narita International Airport stopped the man as he was due to board a flight back to the United States. The flight attendant, who is described as a US national in his 50s, claimed he was unaware he was carrying the rounds in two magazines. Worryingly, he had carried the ammunition in his hand luggage on the outbound journey as well. Security officials in the American airport, which has not yet been identified, failed to intercept the loaded magazines. Airport police. They were official... in a
2: magazine. Oh my God! Right.
4: I'm. I'm sure. I'm. I'm assuming it's a. Uh, um, a magazine of bullets. Yeah, well, this is like it. A, yeah, uh, not not a yeah, publication. No, no, not a, <laughs> a publication <laughs> involving ammunition. No, no,
2: no, no indeed. Yes, because uh, 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 if no. it is, the Daily Mail have got completely the wrong end of the stick of this story, <laughs> <laughs> which is not going to be the first time that's, that's ever happened. Let's be before, it? Yeah.
5: <laughs>
2: no, no. no. <laughs> yes, they're another quality publica- publication, if I recall. Nev, is that correct?
6: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, carry on.
2: Sorry,
4: um, airport police official Masatoshi Ito said the man I'm forgot he was carrying. I'm so the glad you've got this story. <laughs> ...that having live brands in your hand luggage is against US law. Police He's... released the man later uh, Saturday as he posed no danger of destroying evidence, Ito said. The man and the airline also promised to co- cooperate in any future investigation. Police are still investigating how bullets were undetected when he arrived at Narita and went through customs. American Airlines said in a statement that the crew member headed to Dallas after his release but refused to disclose details of his flight out of the US. The airline also declined to comment on how a crew member might have walked through the US security checks. US airports are stepping up baggage checks for passengers flying in from overseas. Police are also considering a possible violation of the Japanese gun and sword control law but the flight attendant was not charged with any crime. I think this is a very slightly worrying uh, article, um, especially when it's saying that they didn't manage to catch it on the outbound, uh, with America being seen to have one of the, you know highest security uh... ratings in the world I mean, I think, um, I think
2: the biggest thing for, for me with this story is actually not so much this guy genuinely seemed to like, because I mean you have to accept all the rules, are di- you know, the, the law is different in the States they're allowed to have handguns and and all that kind of thing and I do, I, I do genuinely, be- when you read this story, I do genuinely believe the guy it was a genuine mistake he didn't intend to have left it in his hand luggage, but the bit mm. that is screaming at me is like, how on earth did he manage to get through security with, until he got to the other end and they found it. That's, mm-hmm. what, that's what's got alarm bells ringing for me. Not so much that, as fortunately, this was a, a genuine guy who obviously has handguns and forgot to take that magazine out of that bag because he used it for another purpose or, or whatever. But to get to the other end before somebody finds it, having been through what, as you say, is supposed to be the most intense security experience you'll ever come across, especially in the States. I mean, yeah. that's, it's, it's,
4: it's worrying. Also worrying is uh, the fact that it says U.S. airports are stepping up baggage checks of passengers flying in from overseas. Mm-hmm. Yes, maybe they it should start like at home first. to. It looks like they're trying to shift the blame a little bit. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> indeed. I, I'm not too sure that that's the right approach.
2: Mm. Yeah, funny one there. I
4: would like to point out as well, just a bit of um,
1: bit of a thing here on this story that the pictures have used. I know, I know. I'm not pointing them out. Just moving on. <laughs> <laughs> the, the pictures are, are, are like uh, of american airlines aircraft but in the livery that's right good. a bit out of date okay fair enough just just something else uh, it's a story day. it's a picture that they had on file it's associated <laughs> press pictures so okay yeah. okay. Yes. okay fair enough no i know
2: <laughs> so, <laughs> okay uh, carlos the next story is with you yeah please.
1: this is a sad one with we've, uh, we've covered a few stories in the past about uh, the uh, the queen of the skies the 747 And uh, this is on the CNN.com, the money.cnn.com website. And the headline, Boeing 747 Jumbo Passenger Plane is on the way out. Mm. So is it the end of the line for the Boeing 747 as a commercial passenger plane? It sure looks that way for the original Jumbo Air Jetliner. Once the largest plane on earth, the 747 has defined the uh, the, uh, company more than any other. Boeing and uh, early this month, flew Oh Boeing and BA. Um, earlier this month, flew a seven four seven. well actually, no, that's not BA. That's Boeing. Earlier, flew a seven four seven eight Intercontinental, uh, which is obviously Boeing's latest iteration of the seven four seven. Back to the company's base in Washington State from the paint shop in Portland. Uh, it was wearing the colours of Korean Airlines, and is extremely likely that this is the last passenger seven four seven to ever be built. The airliner, which extends 250 feet and two inches long, will be delivered to Korean airlines in the coming weeks. Boeing doesn't expect the jumbo jet to make a big comeback as part of its 20-year forecast released annually. Boeing said there's no appreciable demand left for building new passenger 747s or for the rival uh, Airbus A380, the world's largest passenger aircraft. Uh, Instead, it believes airlines will continue to prefer big twin engine aircraft like its Boeing 777X or the A350. Those smaller planes can now fly just as far as the huge jumbo jets while using less fuel. They also have fewer seats, which makes it easier for airlines to book them up. Frankly, we really don't see much demand for big, uh, really big aircraft, said uh, Randy Tinseth, Boeing's vice president of marketing in June. Uh, there will just be a handful moving forward, things we uh, do for VIPs, things we do for the present military operations, but we don't see a significant demand for passengers 747-8s or A380s. There are still uh, nearly 500 passenger 747 variants in service around the globe, according to Flight Global's Ascend, but those numbers are falling as they're retired and replaced. Boeing has delivered more than 1,500 since 1970. Korean says it has no plans to buy any more passenger 747 8s or A380s from either Boeing or Airbus. It currently operates both types. The passenger version of the 747-8 first debuted in 2011 and was ordered by only a few airlines including Korean, Lufthansa and Air China. The aircraft can seat 467 passengers and fly as far as 8,000 nautical miles. According to Boeing's official order book there are still two 747-8 passenger planes left to deliver. One is the final order for Korean Airlines and the other for an unidentified head of state. Boeing recently moved three 747-8s from its uh, ledger that were originally bound uh, for a Russian airline, Transaero. That airline went bust in 2015. Uh, Two of uh, the three planes it had ordered were built by Boeing but were never delivered. These aircraft are now in storage and it's not clear uh, when or where they will end up. It's a shame. It's a sad Mm. story, really. It um, that is. We're going to obviously see... The, the demise of the passenger barrier. yeah but they, they have, to, ch-
2: they have yeah. to you know <laughs> you can say that all you like but things have to change mm. don't they I mean you know and, it, and it, the, four, the 747 has been in service a long time and it's now been superseded by technology and all sorts has not mm. it I mean four engines you know you can do the same thing with two it's all about the environment mm. and things like that I mean it's, it is sad so but I'm glad
1: um, I got to go on one anyway yeah. at least I can say I've, uh, I've travelled on a 7.4 indeed yep. indeed yep. So moving on to the next story. We yep. better move on swiftly. This yes. one is for you, Matt.
2: Yes, indeed. This is on the Australian Business Traveller on um, what has been billed as an exclusive by this particular publication. It says Malaysia Airlines plans to bring forward the start of its Airbus A350 flights to London from London to... Jet. Ja- uh, Try that again. Malaysia Airways <laughs> plans to bring forward the start of its Airbus A350 flights to London uh, to January 2018, but is putting expansion to other European cities on hold. Well, that makes a change because it's usually London that misses out. Uh, the One World member now expects to take delivery of its first two Airbus A350s in November and December 2017, which will provide sufficient aircraft to take over the daily Kuala Lumpur to London Airbus A380 flights MH3 and MH4 by mid-January 2018. The Australian business traveller understands that two more A350s will arrive by March 2018, at which time the flagship, the flagship MH1-MH2 flight would also be swapped from the double-decker super jumbo uh, to the fuel-efficient A350. Malaysia Airlines will then have its Airbus A380 stripped back to an ultra-high-capacity configuration um, and handed over to a new offshoot aimed at serving the bustling Muslim market for Hajj and Um Umrah pilgrimages to the holy city of Mecca in Saudi Arabia however Malaysia Airlines is revising earlier plans to use the final two members of its six strong A350 fleet now slated for delivery by June 2018 to reopen flights to Amsterdam Paris or Frankfurt routes which the airlines uh, shuttered in 2015-2016 airline CEO Peter Bellow previously axed plans to send the A350 to Auckland and ruled out other destinations such as Australia and Tokyo saying it's an expensive aircraft and we have to find something meaty and significant to do it with we hope to find something more than uh, we hope to find something more than nine hours it's believed that no European destination other than London would provide the high traffic which Malaysia Airlines requires for its A350s uh, which will come with ongoing leasing payments uh, rather than being bought outright. The AI, the Airbus A350 will sport a small first-class cabin of just four seats using the Vantage XL design uh, from Ireland's Thompson Aero Seating, which also provided the platform for the Qantas Airbus A330 and Boeing 787
1: business-class seats now you've uh, been reading that map just look at the pictures yep. on there of these these interiors are pretty awesome you know we cover about interiors and stuff mm. and the seating on aircraft all the time but these malaysian ones are yeah. really really nice these business class seats and i've got a feeling they do use bose headsets as well in there do for they? passengers wow. yeah, which is also quite nice i think as there well. we go yeah um but uh, yeah the business class seat and uh, does look incredibly comfy it
2: does. It does. It's um, yeah. They're, they're quite nice, aren't they? I think I think they're really nice. Uh, the, these uh, for those of you watching in YouTube, these are the seats uh, that you can enjoy if you are the one of the four seats <laughs> the that are available seats. to you <laughs> in first class. Now these are quite comfortable, as you say. Carlos is saying, coming with fancy Bose headsets as well. I mean, they do look. Mm. You do look like you're sitting on on the on the uh, the bridge of the Star Starship Enterprise. It has to be said, uh, but. Uh, Yeah, it's quite sort of swanky. It's uh, very nice. But, uh, yeah, as I say, if you take yourself to that website, um, which was uh, the um, uh, ausbt.com.au and search for Malaysia Airlines, and you'll be able to look at the pictures uh, if you're listening to our audio show. So, next uh, time. Actually, actually, to be fair, I'm sorry, uh, to, uh, to, um, to, to... to do this but actually the, the 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 what i call the ordinary cabin the one for you and i doesn't look too bad <laughs> yeah. either actually it's uh, <laughs> it's quite yeah. uh, it's quite uh, watchable the one that we yeah. can afford yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well yeah. i don't think we can even afford that but you know nevertheless it is uh, it's, it's it's surprisingly spacious actually it does look nice. I think so is that yeah. that's not economy is it that no, must that's be something in economy. between
1: that's kind of a, a posh class as well oh is it? it oh dear oh. never flown oh. Malaysia not
2: the i i i flew out to um mm. new zealand um before i Got scared of flying. Supposed to uh, be really good. Yeah, and it was. I, d- I didn't have a great experience, mm. but that wasn't anything to do with the cabin crew
1: and everything to do with the moron that was sat in front of me. But we'll we'll gloss over that and move on. <laughs> <laughs> so
5: moving on to the
1: next story, uh, Nev. Another. Uh, it's another. Another posh story. Is
5: it? It is, isn't yeah. it?
3: Yes. This is on the traveller.com.au website, and it's an airline review, and it's all about uh, British Airways business class service from London to Singapore. And uh, a lady called uh, Andrea Black has done this review, and um, the duration of this flight is 13 hours and 14 minutes, and I've actually done this flight Have myself. You? Wow. Uh, but with Singapore, actually, not, not with BA. This, that's a little while ago. And the, the frequency of this flight, well, BA operates daily flights from Heathrow to Sydney via Singapore, and the airline... Aircraft from Singapore to Sydney is a Boeing 777. This is an A380, however, and there's uh, 97 uh, Club World business seats, 53 of which are in the upper deck uh, where she was seated. And um, if you want some extra space, opt for a window seat on the upper deck where side storage, which doubles as a bench, runs the length of the aircraft. Mm -hmm. The upper deck is a 232 configuration where alternate seats face each other. This next bit, I just cannot uh, agree with it anymore. The privacy screen that separates seats is welcome, but it whooshes up and down at mealtimes for ease of service, which can prove awkward when forced to look into the eyes of a stranger <laughs> whilst feasting yeah, on indeed. bread rolls and yeah. red wine. Because the, the seat converts into a fully flat bed. Now, let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I have been in this situation, and you know you've got that, when you meet someone for the first time, maybe a, a client or customer or just a stranger, there's a personal space, isn't there? You don't, don't get too close to the <laughs> Them. No. Well, oh, when hello. you're in this configuration, <laughs> you are very close to them, and wow. uh, that may not necessarily be a good thing. That's all no, I'm saying indeed. about it. But
5: no. um, all um all anyway, on the baggage side of
3: it, it's very, <laughs> very generous with uh, two check bags up to thirty-two kilos each, plus a carry-on bag and uh, one handbag, laptop bag up to twenty-three kilos. Wow. Uh, the comfort factor is good because that all starts at Terminal Five, at Heathrow, with a free runway ready. 15-minute facial at the LMS spa. You can opt for a massage or it's part of the service. Yeah. Um, and uh, on board, um, you've got this uh, LMS immunity uh, kit, which includes handy tips on staying refreshed. Who knew that putting moisturizer on the tips of your fingers Uh, pitter-pattering in a raindrop fashion will be so invigorating. I wouldn't have learned that, I have to say. The fully flat bed with memory foam pillow and uh, tuna makes for a good sleep and the noise-cancelling headphones in an already A380 cabin, also a bonus. Uh, whilst on the entertainment side, whilst the touchscreen could be a little clunky, which it it certainly is, I have to say, if it's the same one that's on the 777 fleet, it's very, very sluggish. Uh, The choice of entertainment was perfect for those who enjoy a good box set, and it's not just four episodes to get you hooked. They were difficult to to find though. All the HBO channels, for example, were hidden under the branded channels subcategory. There's a good selection of new releases and documentaries too, and there's ample in-seat power, should you wish to watch or listen to your own devices. Uh, The service is always attentive, but not overly so, uh, which for this reviewer <clears throat> is just the right amount, she says. Uh, when a cabin crew member noticed the line for the toilet, she whispered that there was much more spacious washroom in the upper Ford area of the oh, plane. Hey. yes. <laughs> she was right. It was palatial in size as far as the airline's toilets go. Use this one for changing to pajamas, but it's strictly bring your own, unfortunately. BA doesn't dole them out. Uh, On the food side of things, from the welcoming Bucks Fizz to the seared fillet of of British beef with honey-roasted parsnips, the food and beverage experience was excellent. The menu features fresh-to-farm-to-tray-table fare from the 7 & Y Scottish Salmon and Cumberland Pork sausages to Brie from the Cotswolds. The retro-sweet selection from the Help Yourself Club kitchen uh, in-between meals was an added treat. Uh, As Wines from Europe... New Zealand Australia features uh, and is expected from a British carrier there's a good selection of teas available British Airways offer exclusive discounts for passengers including shopping discounts VIP passes and complimentary champagne at some of uh, London's best hotels so it's worth a look when in London and she says that the experience began as it meant to go on with a pampering session at Heathrow T5 and continued in comfort all the way to Singapore with a bonus option of a shower for a shower in the new Club World uh, Lounge at Changi Airport Terminal 1 Um, uh, the Round trip fares, departing Sydney on a world, uh, Club World Business Fair, starts from six thousand eight hundred eighty US, uh, sorry, uh, Australian dollars, uh, all inclusive to the UK and to Europe. The fares quoted were accurate at the time of publishing. P- p- prices are subject to change and availability. Yeah, telling me. <laughs> Terms and conditions apply for bookings and more information. See ba dot com and, and of she course- rates it. Uh, Four and a half out of five. And it says right at the bottom, because they have to say this, Andrea Black travelled as a guest of British Airways. Oh, did so, she buy, oh, so she didn't buy boy. her own ticket like... Okay,
2: okay. right. <laughs> Which probably means not only did they know she was on board, it probably meant that they were a little bit more aware.
4: Well, yeah, just saying. Yeah. Just yeah. saying. I, but, I mean, <laughs> but obviously, one would assume perhaps mm, that everybody... I'm not, I'm not too sure. When, uh, when we have management or when we have uh, our mystery passengers on board, we don't get told uh, beforehand... So oh, I see. So somebody, might known, but not the um, unless you happen uh, to know somebody's name, yeah. on the passenger manifest. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Uh, I should just stress that we're being told off for talking about food. Yeah, by the j- way, sorry, ten- Jen, uh, sorry, Jen. Sorry, <laughs> Jen. <laughs> we're in trouble now. Yes, indeed. We, anyway, we on to, must move on. Yeah, that's to the story. Oh, and this is with you, and um, it's again, it's not a very nice um, story, but uh, unusual in the fact that it's happened with Virgin Atlantic this time.
4: Alright, so this one is from independent.co.uk, and uh, this is, as Matt said, a Virgin Atlantic flight to Jamaica. It says, Virgin Atlantic flight to Jamaica diverted after drunk passengers shouts at staff who won't serve him more alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, a video of a disruptive passenger on a Virgin Atlantic flight to Jamaica has been uploaded online, including his forced removal from the plane after an emergency landing in Bermuda. The incident occurred on the 16th of may after a passenger in after the passenger in question was refused more alcohol by the cabin crew a fellow passenger has claimed ola lily who uploaded the footage to youtube added the caption emergency landing in bermuda on a virgin atlantic plane from london gatwick to montego bay jamaica unexpected uh, landing after passenger threatens cabin crew and fights with the other flight attendants and passengers drunk man demands more alcohol from the air hostess and when she refused Uh, refuses to give him more. He gets aggressive, starts threatening the, the staff, swears, shouts and throws things at other passengers and causes serious danger. The pilot decides to have an emergency landing in Bermuda to get the man arrested and off the plane. Virgin has confirmed reports that a passenger was removed. A spokesman said, our crew are highly trained to handle these types of situations and responded quickly to ensure the safety and security of customers on board. We do not tolerate abusive or threatening behaviour on board our aircraft. And whilst these incidents are rare, it is is disappointing when a disruptive individual impacts that experience for other customers. The footage shows uh, the man shouting and advancing on a male flight attendant who appears to be attempting to calm him down. Meanwhile, a female passenger gets involved shouting at the man from across the plane and asking repeatedly, repeatedly, are you mad? The man throws an item of clothing at her, which uh, she flings back at him. The video then skips to when the plane made its emergency landing in Hamilton, Bermuda. At least four police officers can be seen pulling him off the plane. An eyewitness said when we landed and the police came, the guy refused to stand up and get off the plane. Therefore, more police officers had to come and drag him off the plane. The pilot then apologised to us and it was best... Uh, and said it was best to land in Bermuda and arrest him as it wasn't safe for anyone to have him on board. At the end of our flight Virgin Atlantic also gave us an apology letter Indeed. Um, now we were playing this out actually while we were playing the video out while you were reading that
2: story, Owen. And one oh, of the, right. one of the things that's uh, interesting here uh, again, uh, if you haven't seen this story by the way, guys, and you're listening to the audio version of the show, uh, go to the Independent uh, Independent.co.uk, and if you search for Virgin Atlantic flight Jamaica diverted drunk disruptive, you'll mm-hmm. almost certainly find it. The, the YouTube video there is definitely worth a watch. And the one thing I would say um, in this actually now, I, I mean, I. I I hope, Owen, you haven't had too much experience in this, given obviously working for Harpjet and that, but I think the biggest problem here was uh, people were, you know, the cabin crew were doing their best to try and pacify this individual. The problem actually here was that other passengers were getting involved. And I do wonder yeah. if that's perhaps... Never a good thing. Well, this is it, you know. And, and actually, the problem escalates and gets worse and worse and worse as a result of, uh, as I say, this is my, my personal analysis of the video that I've just watched while you were reading that story, is, is, is actually the, pass- the other passengers got involved that made, got it much
4: more heated, much more uh, dramatic than it ever needed to be. Yeah, definitely. Um, when any incident happens on board, especially one of this nature, it's very, very difficult not to get uh, a whole lot of attention from other passengers. Uh, as we saw, there's someone filming it. Uh, there's two or three other passengers there, standing, sort of, uh, maybe taunting him or uh, you know shouting at him, and that really makes uh, the job of of any cabin crew way more difficult to deescalate uh, to the situation. Um, so. For me personally, uh, I'm not going to speak for my airline or for for my profession. But for me personally, I I would much rather to bring any situation like this into the galley, um, where there is a little bit more, uh, where there's a little bit more privacy uh, for one, where you have more crew to be on hand to deal with somebody like this. Yeah. Um. It is. It's quite possible that, you know, you you get people who who won't follow you into the galley to to sort of speak to you or uh, things like that. But um, yeah, no, it really poses a problem having uh, the other people looking in on situations. And I have had uh, first aid situations in which um, we we did ask one of our cabin crew to literally just deal with that, to deal with people. to deal with sort of getting people's attention away from yeah. the situation and trying to sit people back down and make sure that uh, there is some sort of level of privacy and some sort of level of, uh, well, relative non-attention mm-hmm. so that we can get on with our job yeah, uh, with what we need to do um, to make it a safe flight.
2: Indeed. Lots of interesting oh. comments here in the chat room actually as well. Um, uh, what, several of which I can't read out but uh, honestly, <laughs> Tony S, yes, I completely agree with you. Uh, <laughs> Tony King has said what's wrong with people nowadays? Uh, Mr Warner has an interesting approach. It's sort of basically decking, problem solved. Good. Uh, I mean, that is that is, <laughs> that is one way of solving the problem. Uh, uh, somebody called Nev, Nev Bound saying absolutely appalling production values on this video. Again, I mean, that's, that's, that's <laughs> perhaps a bit harsh, Neff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you mean. Um, and uh, again, Richard King, a great idea here. Need a trapdoor in the cabin floor. That I think that could, that could be one way of uh, solving the, the issue, isn't it? Might be worth something out. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you, you could always that. take yeah. them to the galley and beat them with a warm panini. Right. Okay. For, Human yeah, behaviour, though,
3: it, it is unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, you you do get this situation, and there's always this possibility of what I term renter crowd, uh, and yeah. uh, with with people joining in just as owen said and it's, it's it you know you can lose control very quickly under those circumstances and uh, it it cannot be a lot of fun for the cabin crew no, no no question about it at all so it's a very difficult situation which which needs uh, careful handling doesn't it mm,
4: apart agreed. from the the fact that you've got so many people sort of weighing in on the situation yeah uh, one of the biggest risks that it poses especially not so much in this case uh well but probably in this case too, actually, um, but my mind jumps straight way to a first date situation. If you have a crowd starting to gather, it makes access to this person or persons much more difficult. Mm, yeah. And that is a really, really massive problem. Because when you have someone in need of help, as this mm. gentleman definitely needed, <laughs> he needed some sort of uh, help to calm him down and to to get him settled again. Um, if that got even more out of control, yeah. you need more personnel, you need yeah. more maybe restraining equipment, or, and uh, yeah, if you have people, yeah. if you've got this uh, red to crowd, as Nev yeah. affectionately calls it, um, you you get a very big blockade in the middle indeed. of the, the the aisle, which isn't a, a good situation at all. But yeah, very well done to the cabin crew, who uh, obviously yeah, managed indeed. to get this guy sat down and good uh, decision today Bert I think. Indeed a, a couple of quick points
2: uh, uh, from the chat room and then we must move on obviously because we've got a very busy show today. Uh, Barbara Parish said this is why cabin crew need to show their authority from the start with their safety demo it's a slippery slope otherwise you encourage passengers to get involved when they shouldn't. Um, it's uh, I think uh, uh, Captain Alice, uh, uh, other than talking about toilets which we'll gloss over uh, said that actually since 9-11 some passengers feel they have a vested interest in getting involved and I can kind of see what he means by that because I suppose you know the whole 9-11 thing sort of I suppose awoke people's you know uh, alert I suppose but um, mm.
4: it's uh, yeah. yeah, it's a funny one really. It's. Um, I mean on that point I would say unless you feel like you have a, um, experience or, or yeah. knowledge in how to deal with a situation like this it's probably better to leave the cabin crew to do yeah. uh, what they feel yeah. is in the best interest of the whole aircraft yeah unless that they specifically ask for people to come in and and help mm. uh yeah uh, yeah. t-
2: Tony says uh, they, they banned smoking uh, on a plane. Why not ban the alcohol, too? Somebody else actually said uh, yeah, they're not really going to do that purely because they just make too much money <laughs> out of it. Uh, yeah, um, my,
4: my paycheck would
2: certainly <laughs> be yeah, indeed, Absolutely. Yes. Uh, Matt Caten yeah. says just give him another drink until he passes out. That's another approach. Uh, you know, <laughs> Matt, but they to be fair, to... Matt would take his own beer on well, board. Well, that's true. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> anyway, look, come on, guys. We must move on because we are running no. out so of time. Story, so next story, moving
1: on. Uh, as we all know, Emirates is a huge airline in the world, and a big planet with many aircraft so the next story on the arabian Headline, Emirates poised to announce Dreamliner deal with Boeing. Uh, So uh, Emirates is in the final stages of placing an order with Boeing for the 787 Dreamliner, reports Alige, as it prepares to launch a landmark partnership with low-cost carrier Fly Dubai. Emirates is believed to be in the market for between 50 and 100 mid-sized wide-body aircraft to fly medium to long-haul routes. The order is likely to be uh, for a mix of 787-9 and -10 models, according to Aviation Press. The Dubai-based airline has been reportedly uh, reportedly been trying to decide between the A350 and the 787 Dreamliner to replace some of its aging fleet. However, the company has refused to comment on when it may sign a deal. An Emirates spokesperson has uh, uh, declined to divulge further information, saying on Wednesday this week that we regularly look at our fleet requirements and will continue to do so as we grow. For the moment, our priority is to optimise the usage of both fleets in order to meet customer demands. Sarj Ahmad got that one, right? Very good, well done. A consultant <laughs> at Strategic Aero Research wrote on his website that the Dreamliner decision was a done deal with Boeing. He told Arabian Business uh, Emirates is going to buy 787s, that much is assured. Emirates has never reord- uh, reordered a jet it cancels. It cancelled the A340-600s in 2006 and never brought it after that. It ditched the a 350 and A350-1000s in 2014 and they wouldn't die. Them only to buy them again and lose lucrative delivery positions. Fact is, the 777X is more capable versus the A350s and adequate to replace the A380s too, meaning that the 787 is a natural fit and Boeing has far more uh, propensity to provide slots for Emirates, which Airbus does not, given the current product, uh, product snafus on the A350 line. Uh, The deal would certainly be a coup for Boeing. Emirates cancelled its A380 order in 2014 after expressing concerns over the aircraft, and Airbus has since been forced to postpone delivery of new jets. Ahmad added that pricing for Dreamliners was aggressive. Uh, at the moment, due to backlogs at Boeing plants, uh, that is why I believe Emirates will bite the bullet soon and not let uh, get left out of the 787 customer base. Dreamliners are also thought to fit well with Emirates and Fly Dubai's new code share partnership announced this week as well. The agreement includes uh, increased schedule al- uh, alignment and network optimization for more than 200 destinations served by a combined fleet of 380 aircraft. The two airlines said. In a statement on Monday, so awesome news for Boeing if this does go through, because obviously Emirates are a huge airline, and uh, it's uh, yeah, it's it's big. I mean, they're going to go from being the biggest A380 um, owner uh, to being probably the biggest uh, Dreamliner owner at this rate. I think. Well, yeah, that's true. Uh, so true. moving on to the next story, especially uh, special story chosen uh, just for Matt this one because oh, really? he uh, is a great fan <laughs> of this particular aircraft right,
2: manufacturer. Okay. <laughs> now, now this is on the what I can only describe as the Wichita wit- Wichita Eagle, Wichita Eagle. Sorry, that's easier for you for you to say. And uh, it's uh, the headline is. Bombardier marks global 7,000 flight test milestone. That'll be Bombardier. (laughs) Uh Uh, Bombardier business aircraft has surpassed 500 hours of flight uh, testing with its new global 7000 business jet the company said Monday the 500 flight hours have been accumulated between three global 7000s based at the Bombardier Bombardier. flight test centre in Wichita the fourth and fifth global 7000 test aircraft are are in final assembly Bombardier has said with more than 500 flight test hours already logged, the program's development and certification schedule is on track, said uh, some name I can't pronounce, but they are nevertheless the senior vice president of Global 7,000 and Global 8000s programs, said in a news release. Our, release. our confidence level is high as we accumulate more flight hours and push uh, towards entry uh, entry into service in the second half of 2018. The Montreal-based company also announced that assembly of four Global 7,000s customer deliveries is underway. The 72.8 billion million dollar jet will be Bombardier's latest Bombardier. <laughs> largest and will have the longest range. It will have a maximum seating of, for 19 passengers and a crew of four and a maximum range of 7,400 nautical miles with eight passengers. The global 7,000's passport engines, jet engines are assembled at GE Aviation's uh, city
1: plant uh now it's this is a, a mega jet this is uh, yeah. one of those really really nice biz jets um, yeah. um developed by bombardier or bombardier uh, right. and That's uh if you want to these global seven thousands they have a list price obviously no one pays the list price matt but if you want to buy one of these because i know you love these
2: yeah i, I, I can't wait yeah. um
1: if you've got a spare 72.8 million dollars um laying around you can uh, right. grab yourself one of these uh Global 7000s uh, off the rack, and uh, they do look pretty awesome. If you look on, um, on Bombardier's website as yep. well, they've got some awesome pictures of the Global 7000s, so check that out.
2: And the reason why I was being so sensible about this is because whilst Carlos was at Riyadh, I was very kindly sent this particular video. The Over there there we are thank you Jonathan Warner that's why I was trying to be well behaved so here we are
5: sorry. I didn't know you had that <laughs> Yeah, oh, uh, no. I, I, and he'll
2: probably kill me for playing that out because I didn't ask his permission so I'm sorry Jonathan but I couldn't resist oh Mr. Warner <laughs> you legend you absolute legend sorry about that yeah so there we are mental note anyone if you've got my t- mobile number don't ever send me stuff because I will use it in the show without asking so moving on <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a fantastic
4: yeah. range 7th uh, has miles. It's that's great. About, it? yeah. Um, yeah. that's about the same as uh, uh, the Dreamliner, the the 7878, yeah. I think. Yeah. Anyway, I could be wrong. <laughs> anyway, before we move on, uh, Bombardier. There we are.
2: We're done. Uh, next. <laughs> He's got a. <laughs> okay, yeah, go. Oh, I feel so much better. <sighs> oh, you have no idea. <laughs> okay. Anyway, next. Moving on. Next yeah. story. Okay. Uh,
1: this one is. Uh, this would be U- Net, Nerve, I think.
5: Yeah.
3: Yeah, it's on the itweb.co.za website, and it's all about bring your own devices, uh, and in the, in the Wi-Fi sense, and how uh, how airlines are developing more and more. And uh, in-flight Wi-Fi will be offered on over half of global commercial aircraft by 2022, driving the impact of the bring-your-own-device trend. Uh, this is according to the In-Flight Entertainment and Wi-Fi Connectivity Technologies, Business Models and Key Players 2017-2022 report from Juniper Research. The research predicts commercial aircraft adopting in-flight Wi-Fi service, which will reach 14,419 globally by 2022, up from an estimated 5,243 in 2017. Juniper says that this increase will primarily be due to the impact of the BYOD trend, despite increased uh, security concerns from several governments, primarily the US, which has given rise to the so-called laptop ban. In-flight wireless streaming is increasingly being offered as an in-flight entertainment option based on a lower installation cost and weight savings versus seat-back systems with many vendors... Offering combined wireless streaming and Wi-Fi connectivity services, wireless streaming will replace seatback in-flight entertainment on most short-haul flights, with seatback in-flight entertainment being increasingly reserved for longer flights with premium carriers. Reveals the report that doesn't surprise me at all. I have to say that there's a definite uh, requirement and trend for that. And uh, with bring-your-own-device uh, consumer take-up is encouraged by wireless services and monthly in-flight entertainment revenues forecast to rise by 30% on average per aircraft over the forecast period notes the research. This indicates an increase of more than 1 billion available seat miles per day and we expect a a, a, a greater increase in 2017. Several major airlines decided on Wi-Fi systems in 2016 with plans to roll them out in 2017 whilst others have already begun a rollout. Comparing 2016 to 2017 shows that there's been a dramatic dramatic shift away from basic Wi-Fi systems to faster systems signaling that airlines are listening to customers feedback to improve Wi-Fi connectivity and uh, Emirates has made significant investments in our uh, into uh, our in-flight connectivity uh, in-flight Wi-Fi usage already popular from the start has grown tremendously and the uh, the new in-flight Wi-Fi plans reflect Emirates commitment to continue providing this as a free service for as many customers as possible especially to our most frequent flyers it says the Emirates VP and COO and I, I think we're just going to be seeing more and more of this and, and fewer um, you know, seat back systems yeah. because of the of the, of the weight penalties and the complexity yeah. of this. This of is of a good website.
1: idea. I, I think this is a really good idea. I, I've used this on on their Delta. Mm. Uh, mm. Delta have have got this uses system on their aircraft a lot. Of their long haul stuff, and uh, it, it's good. But I, what I th- I think airlines need to do if they're going to start to roll this out on on fleets of, of various size aircraft, albeit from narrow body to the long range stuff, they need to be a kind of um, a one kind of slot-fits-all kind of adapter on the backs of the seats, a kind of adjustable Mm -hmm. holder, you know, for your tablet or your phone. I think that there needs to... I know there is some systems on some aircrafts where some of these have been... Kind of put in place, yeah. but if they're going to do this, there needs to be like a, a rolled-out thing where you can put your, you know, pull the little uh, yeah. things apart, put your tablet, put in, your tablet in, yeah, and then you know.
2: But you see, ev- everybody's carrying a tablet with them anyway. Mm-hmm. That's the daft thing. But so they're, they're all different, all different sizes. They're all, they? Yeah, okay, they're all yeah. different sizes. But actually, because because uh, to be honest, because I flew United, I don't know if I mentioned at all. I flew on a seven five seven three hundred. Uh, I really no, enjoyed. No, no, no. Uh, anyway, um, uh, on the way out, I ended up using. I was using the screen um, that was built into mm. the back of the seat, and the the picture quality the audio were absolutely abysmal <laughs> um, uh, but so coming home I actually fully charged my tablet knowing it would last um, the entire flight without me having to charge it up or anything and I ended up watching because it, it had the facility, you could use the Wi-Fi and then download the same amount of films and everything to watch while you were going along and I did that and it was much better the picture quality was really good, the audio was clean, uh, it, w- it was great because I got a really weird sort of whir stroke hum that was quite sort of hypnotic and almost tinnitus like by the time I got To as no one, I think it's probably why I was so poorly when we got to the other end because I (laughs) I got into some kind of hypnotic trance that I never got out of. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's. I uh, think it is the way. I think it's the way it's 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 going to go. Have have you had much experience of this, Nev? Or are you too busy working (laughs) when you're? uh, Sort of uh, no,
3: I, I've not yet been on any aircraft with Wi-Fi. Actually, so uh, I'm uh-huh. hoping to do that um, later in the year somewhere. But uh, this has got to be the way forward, is not it? Because yeah. the um, I don't think that the seat-back systems are are that great. I know you know Panasonic and, and other manufacturers are, are huge supplies to to the airlines uh, for, for their systems, but it's uh, it's not that great. And as you say, your own tablet experience is <clears throat> normally far better yeah. than what you're getting uh, yeah. in the seat back.
4: They but tend it, to be quite sluggish, don't they? In the in the seatbacks, they tend to be very very slow and very unresponsive, yeah. especially the touch screen pads. To
2: be fair, this um, this yes. one at um, this one on the United flight, the it responded fine. It was working absolutely fine. But as I say, it was picking up so much so much interference because I had the these lovely uh, headphones that I'm, I'm wearing now that uh, I got for a birthday present, and the sound because they're these fancy sure things, and the sound quality is incredible. Um, unfortunately, all it did when I plugged it, if I'd have had cheap and nasty headphones, maybe I wouldn't have noticed so much, but because these were plugged into, <laughs> yeah. into the plane, all I heard was just this high-pitched whine of, of you know, interference coming <laughs> yeah. through. I mean, it really did make me feel, you know, uh, and because I didn't get any of that using my tablet.
4: But, yeah, uh, there are some uh, carriers that are doing this, you know, right from the, the get-go. Air Canada Rouge is one of them. Um, when they started up, I think it was in 2012, they didn't have any... Uh, seatback entertainment or any overhead entertainment. They oh. were using uh, an app which you could... Yeah. I think I think you had to buy the app. Oh, right. um, it being a low-cost carrier.
5: Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, uh, of course,
4: yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you had to buy the app. They also mm. uh, rented iPads, but the problem oh. was uh, I'm fairly sure that there was no Plugs for the or sockets for the um, I know, you for, see that, to to charge it. There was on and my United economy. flight.
2: They, there was a, a, a on my United flight just uh, just to the left of me, like where the where the two seats mm. met. There was a little board down there that. You yeah, actually, in.
4: when I flew Delta last, they had uh, they had sockets there as well and mm. USB ports. So that was that was quite nice. Anyway, we must uh, move yeah, on. the last uh, story,
1: a uh, bit of a bit of a bit of a nice story to end uh, the news segment on this week uh, for you to do our own.
4: Okay, so this is a great story, um, abcnews.go.com. American Airlines dedicates Boeing 777 to a 91-year-old mechanic for 75 years of service. Wow. That's a huge amount of time. That's, that's an insane amount of time, isn't it? After 75 years with American Airlines, uh, Azrael al-Blackman says he's think- he isn't thinking about retirement. That's not my style, he told ABC News. Based out of New York City his entire career, the 91-year-old aviation maintenance technician started off making 50 cents an hour as an apprentice in the sheet metal shop when American was known as American Export Airlines. Since then, Blackman has worked on some of aviation's most storied aircraft, uh, from the Sikorsky uh, flying boat that kicked off American's transatlantic service to the original jumbo jet, the Boeing 747. 747. The former US Navy service member has dedicated his life to the American Airlines aircraft. On Tuesday, his longtime employer returned the favor. At a ceremony at JFK International Airport, a curtain dropped to reveal a Boeing 777 de- dedicated to his 75 years of service. The aircraft is capable of holding at least 247 people and American Airlines uh, and flying American Airlines longest routes. For the remainder of the jet's life at American Airlines, his name and signature will be inscribed onto the left at, uh, of the, onto the left of the main aircraft's main cabin door. Guinness World Records also awarded Blackman with the title of "Longest Career as an Airline Mechanic." Wow At the uh, Tuesday ceremony in New York, uh, the New York native climbed into the jet before its inaugural trip to London Wednesday, sporting its due paint job and received a sky-high tour of his hometown. Blackman took off from JFK at 2.59 and uh, flew north up the Hudson River to West Point before turning right and looping around the northern edge of Long Island at an altitude of just under 3,000 feet before uh, returning to the airport. The flight lasted about an hour and a half uh, to commemorate a lifetime's worth of service to the country's largest airline. Slightly hazy, he said, of the view from the flight, va- flight tech. Very calm, quiet. Blackman says he has no plans to retire from his work anytime soon. Good What's man. the big retirement? Uh, deal about retirement, really? What do you do when you retire, Blackman sure. told ABC News? <laughs> well, you yeah. stay at home and watch the television, and that's yes. just not my style. Good man. Oh, Bless you. What, what an, what what a an awesome, yeah. awesome, awesome story. It is absolutely uh, so. And, I uh, mean,
2: if you want to, there's a lovely little video that, um, again, played out on YouTube. Mm. If you're watching, if not, uh, take yourself. If you're listening to the audio version of the show. It's abcnews.go.com, and then if you uh, forward slash us, and then search for American Airlines dedicates Boeing 777. Uh, and then you should hopefully find that. But it's a lovely little video. What, what a lovely man. And uh, so many, so few people end up working for the same 75 I mean, that's years. such a long time, isn't it? That is yeah, a, it's I incredible. Mean, achievement. How, how long were you in your particular tin hut? Loving Fifth every minute, minute of it. <laughs> <absolutely laughs> loving every minute ah, of it. Of Actually, Matt, uh, yeah. Matt
1: Caton said uh, in the chat room he said, uh, imagine his redundancy check. Well, there is that, yes, absolutely. <laughs>
2: that's probably why they, you know, it's like he knew he was going to be there until he'd had enough, because there's no way in a million years they could afford to pay. it'd bankrupt the company, trying to trying to pay him off.
1: And, qu- and quite rightly Liz Piper said in a chat as well that, uh, you know, now he's going to retire and stuff, that he, he should listen to podcasts.
2: Quite right, absolutely. Yeah. Somebody point him in our direction, <laughs> yeah, or yeah, if yeah, he yeah.
1: wants to stay awake, then send them APGs yeah. I think that's probably the best thing to do. Yes, so Peter. that is where we bring the uh, commercial news segment to an end and uh, the next part of the show uh, is a special part which I'm going to hand us over to uh, Nev to do all the introducing Thanks,
3: Carlos. Yeah, well, as you know, we try and do a a a Nevs passenger experience every week, and uh, here's another one. And uh, I recorded this uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, it was actually uh, my Kevin uh, Murphy, who who we are featuring this week. Kevin was actually my boss uh, for a few years, and uh, we've known each other for a good 30 years now, I think, as well. But uh, Kevin's done a lot of flying over the years, and uh, he's got some quite interesting stories to tell to tell to tell. Sorry, really about uh, the airline. Experience and, and all, all the stuff that he does. So, uh, yeah, over to you, Matt, to uh, to play this one out. Hello everyone, Nev here again with another Passenger Experience segment. This week I'm speaking with a very good friend of mine and industry colleague, Kevin Murphy. I've known Kevin for some 30 years now and he was actually my boss for some of that time as well. Kevin flies a great deal on business in Europe, the Middle East and the United States and we spoke about the kind of service levels that he was experiencing on these sectors. Once again, the subject of British Airways came up and their passenger service came under some scrutiny. But I began by asking him about his loyalty to BA and what it meant to him.
11: Um, BA. I, I stuck with BA for a number of years. Um, it's only in the last three years, really, that I've been flying a lot. I don't know, it's probably somewhere around 120 to 150 flights a year, business and pleasure. But uh, initially I, I stuck with BA because I feel loyal to a British Airline and it provides all of the services that I need to most of the destinations I need to get to, give or take, there are some exceptions. But I think I acquired my gold status about three years ago and I should stress, yeah, I'm a prolific flyer, but I'm not, you know, I'm not up in the upper echelons. You know, I, get, I, I still feel very, very pleased when I get my 1500 tier points and I had to work at it. I had to work very, very hard because I fly economy, In Europe for short haul Um, and I fly premium economy that's the deal I have with the company you know we really can't afford business and you have to do a hell of a lot of flights I mean a lot of my gold uh, car carrying um, fellows that you meet in various lounges you know they're all flying business and it's actually quite easy to get to that status but we're the troops at the end of the day I've been using BA for many years but over the last three years since I've been gold I didn't pay too much attention about the ownership of BA I just use it as an airline you know I I automatically look if I'm going somewhere I'll look first for a BA flight we use a company travel agent I'll find a flight and I'll tell them what to book sorted done. but what I've noticed is that over the last three years we've basically got an airline that's turning into like everything else there are you know it's starting to lose any differentiation, any difference from any other airline. Um, It's blurred and it doesn't seem to have an identity. And it doesn't seem to just be the corporate BA, even the people. I think, you know, many years ago, uh, certainly when I first got my gold card, I remember the excitement of it. Yeah, it's quite a a silly thing to a lot of people, you get a gold card. But... I'd be welcomed you know you they really would try to do priority boarding they would come and greet you and in in fact particularly on the plane even on short haul, you know you'd find that the person would come up and say hello Mr Murphy nice to have you and you felt quite special it seems to have stopped it doesn't happen to me much anymore and I've noticed this certainly over the last year you then have to add things like I do a lot of short haul so I do a lot of flights to Vienna Um, um, Salzburg, around Europe, um, usually silly times in the morning and coming back late at night. And then we got this situation with the Marks and Spencers on board. And it's not about the money. It's the fact that if I want a drink of water or something, because I didn't have something in the lounge, you know, I can't. I can't even pay for it. I have to use a credit card or Avios. It just feels like, hang on, what are you here for, guys? Are you here for yourselves? or are you here for the people that use you all the time ba had to be very very careful because there's a lot of gold card holders and you know above the the other upper levels but we account for a lot of flights you know to retain a customer um i probably am worth 20 normal customers at the end of the day and it's worth looking after us and the little things count you know even silly little things like if Uh, I don't know, this is just a suggestion, you know, um, anyone ever listening at BA, you know, I'm on a flight, come and say hello, would you like a glass of water, would you like something Mr Murphy, that would take my level of um, uh, enjoyment of travelling BA just up a notch, cost BA virtually nothing and keep me retained. I think the problem I have with many others at the moment is that, in some respects, I don't want to move from BA because BA is convenient. They fly from Gatwick, they fly from Heathrow, two airports I go to all the time. And I can get around the world in most ways. But even I'm starting to think, "Mm, maybe I'll acquire gold one year, maybe next year I might do it, get my gold status, keep it, and then see what I can do. I even looked at Virgin the other day because I could probably get up the status in virgin and do a deal with virgin and i think this is the problem many of us are doing it back to what else has happened with ba um i said it it, you know just feels like every other airline frankly i've flown with EasyJet. they've been friendlier to me than ba in many respects and i've got no status whatsoever i can buy food on the plane with a couple of quid in my pocket not a problem the seats i don't know if i'm imagining it but the seats seem to be getting closer together in BA on sh- on, on the, the short-haul flights. I mean, I'm fairly, I'm at six foot, I'm not highly tall, but I noticed the other day on a flight back from, I was coming back from Vienna, I could hardly sit in the seat. There's hardly any room. It's become a me-too airline. And I think over the last year, I've started to take a little bit more interest in the ownership of the airline and where they're going and looking at some of the news. And I gathered the other day that there was a survey of the best airlines in the world and BA did not feature. That's unacceptable. At the end of the day, it's turned into a me Too airline. It's got no differentiation. It's cutting all the costs. But as we know, if you just cut costs and go for austerity, at the end of the day, you will lose your customers. During that BA IT outage, and I'm putting that
3: in inverted commas the other day, the other week, a lot of people got uh, put on to Qatar uh, and some of the other Middle Eastern airlines as well. And uh, the people I've spoken to have been very pleasantly surprised about the level of service, particularly on Qatar. Have you, have you had that
6: experience as well?
11: Well, it's funny you say that, as I said a little bit earlier. I mean, BA flies most places, but um, airlines like Qatar fly even more sometimes i I, i'm an odd traveler because i do a lot of short haul as i said earlier i do a lot of long haul to the states ba is very good at that but I, i i do flights into the middle east and i do flights into the far east and actually ba is not as good it doesn't have as many hubs so what i have done in the past is if i can't find either ba is very expensive for certain reasons um what i next do as a you know, a loyal. I'd actually have to say probably one world flyer now rather than BA. To be absolutely honest, um, is I then look at the next one world airline, and the one I use um, quite a lot is Qatar, and Qatar has a level of service that's fantastic. Their lounges are superb. They do actually treat you as a gentleman. Um, they always seem very very polite. They do actually come and greet you in the plane. I've noticed that. In fact, I think you know Qatar are probably much better at it than BA are, and yet. You know it's just i'm just a one world emerald card holder but the economy seats on most Qatar flights are actually almost as comfortable as premium not quite but almost and it's acceptable and they have a very very good network of flights around the world i go into doha there's usually a good handling agent there in terms of getting through or there's a very very nice lounge and the other thing i've noticed which is very very weird is ba very, very rarely upgrade me. I probably, you know, out of 120 to 150 flights a year, I probably get upgraded by BA once or twice. I think every other flight I've flown with Qatar, they've upgraded me. Even into the first time I've ever sat in 1A, which was quite a joyful experience flying from Doha to Hanoi. So, yes, I'm looking at Qatar. Why don't I switch straight away? The the seat difference between economy and premium, is there is a little Difference there, and that's probably the only thing. But I think if I did shift airline, I'd certainly look seriously at Qatar.
3: I'm going to uh, change your job now, and I'm going to give you the job of brand manager of BA. What would be the what would be the things that you would change to improve? The, well, the, the reputation, frankly, that that's the worst thing. We, we we've talked about the levels of service, but actually, it's the um, people telling their friends about what a bad experience they've had. So actually, it's the collateral
11: damage uh, that, that's going on. I don't know i think they're in trouble uh and i i i think if i was the you know you've got to start at the bottom and work your way up at the end of the day they've got a reputation problem um the the it outage the other day certainly didn't help strikes haven't helped the the feeling about the company is cheap i, I you know i've said it earlier it's about austerity it's about cutting the costs, not just cutting the costs of for the passengers but also for the staff I mean, a point I would make, and I'd be interested to talk to a few thousand other BA passengers like myself. If the flight costs 50 quid more, do I care? No. You know, whatever it is, 50 quid, 100 quid, within reason. Will I pay more for a premium airline? Yes, I will. But going back to what I would do as a brand manager, you've got to start at the bottom. You've got to improve the service. Because never mind how much you shout and rave and say how wonderful you are, if you're not people are going to find out they have to make some serious changes at the top in BA to show that they actually mean it bring back the quality keep the prices by all means bring back the service it's going to take two or three years of hard slog for BA to to bring it back and it isn't going to be easy but if they don't I can actually see a situation where the airline will fall apart well that's uh, superb
3: Kevin thank you very much indeed for talking to me today and uh, a quick plug for your company the company that you work for Tell, tell us all about that
11: well, you've probably all heard of Kraftwerk, which is a, a band from um, somewhere around the 70s or 80s, if I remember rightly. I work for um, a large audiovisual systems integrator called Kraftwerk Living Technologies, and we're based in Austria. And uh, we're about 90 people strong, and a company that does very, very high-end audiovisual systems engineering predominantly for the entertainment market theme parks um very very big rides big av systems behind the scenes but also for the automotive market brand in germany and we also work on large museums so we have fun behind the scenes at places where people go to visit and we basically bring the places alive with imagery sound and special effects brilliant kevin thanks as much indeed
0: Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network.
1: The
9: VoicesInYourHead.com
1: website
7: www.planetalkinguk.com
9: or find us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash UK on twitter via at UK or get in touch via email on podcast at planetalkinguk.com thanks, thanks for, for listening, listening. flyby 5823 trent Dane for 23r manchester with air 6x climb flight level 210 direct to Britain's park United one two three, maintain two eight zero knots. London
12: two TME, turn right onto Bravo. Link two one join Alpha. Hold at Mora. Speedbird
7: four seven two, LOC slash TME. Approach runway two seven left. Follow the green stand five four four.
9: That's enough air traffic control for today, Nat. Bedtime.
0: Aviation. Has long been the domain of the newspapers and magazines. Well, not anymore.
2: I'm Steve Vischer and I'm Grant McCarran and we're bringing aviation right into your
12: radio. Yes, we're making aviation cool and interesting for everyone. Hang on, aviation's always been cool. Check this out.
2: How cool is this? Crash!
12: Crash! Turn that down.
13: What is cricket anyhow?
0: Something we win a lot. Oh,
5: there we (laughs) go.
1: So we haven't really got any military news this week, but we have got uh, the first installment of uh, one of the interviews that I took at Riyadh last weekend. Uh, I got four interviews on, uh, on the Sunday. Me and my dad were there. We also met up with uh, a couple of listeners as well. But I got four really, really good interviews with some great, uh, some great air crew there. So, uh, Matt, if you're ready, we're going to play the first interview from Riyadh. So you join me then, my first uh, interview then, here at the Royal International Air Tattoo, RAF Fairford in Gloucestershire. And uh, I'm here standing uh, next to an Augusta Westland Wildcat HMA2 and I'm here with uh, your flight commander Oliver Brooksbank. Uh, Oliver, welcome on to the show. Thank you very much. So Oliver, tell us a bit about the, uh, the helicopter we're standing next to here.
13: So this is the Wildcat HMA2, it's the next evolution of the Lynx helicopter really. Uh, which well, i've I've had the privilege of flying and I recently requalified on this one but it's the Navy's anti-surface warfare helicopter um, which is designed to embark on frigates and destroyers at sea um, and deliver an anti-surface that's a ship hunting and killing capability for the Royal Navy
1: so tell us a bit uh, about the kind of specs and the, and the performance of the helicopter
13: so the design specs is essentially built on the links um, so it's an evolution of the same but with a far better and upgraded weapons sensors and engine platform so the performance we get out of this um, is significantly better and particularly in, uh, in in hot and high climates um, particularly in the Gulf region where we're used to operating at temperatures up to 50 degrees with the Lynx we weren't able to even lift off the deck inf- frequently with full fuel whereas this thing we can get off any ship any temperature and just get going with the mission
1: Excellent. What kind of speeds this do uh, flat out?
13: Well this one's rated to 158 knots however the um, the cruise speed is 120 and we try to keep it down around that speed just to conserve fuel and the less less speed we uh, we do clearly the less fuel we consume more time airborne we can spend
1: so these have been in service now for quite a few years. Um, is this particular model we're looking at here is that quite an old version?
13: No, this one's got 60 hours on the clock. So 60. <laughs> so this is this is one of the newest ones in the navy. Um, 815 Squadron, where this one's based, um, has only been fully Wildcat equipped this year. So although the um, the Wildcat program has been uh, has been on the front line for the last five years with the Army and the Royal Navy, um, actually we're only fully operational capable. Uh, this year and we're still yet to get our, our, our missile system in line. Um, so, so this aircraft is yet to see its full potential.
1: So uh, crew complement then, uh, what's the usual kind of,
13: uh, sort of standard mission you kind of do? Well, with we, try and, we try and cre- keep the crew complement small, because the design of this aircraft is that we can embark on frigates and destroyers at sea. We don't have that much space on our frigates, therefore the crew is small. We have one pilot, one observer, the senior of which is the flight commander, and then we have eight engineers to look after it, led by a senior maintenance rating, which is the chief petty officer. Um, one of the one of the crewmen will be our winchman, and then if we're going to an area which requires a maritime sniper team, then we'll take two Royal Marines as well.
1: So, a bit about yourself, Oliver. How did uh, things start with you? Uh, with the you know the uh, was it a passion, an early passion for aviation?
13: Yeah, for sure. I grew up in Cornwall. Um, I looked to the horizon of the sea and said, "That's where I want to go for my living," and um, and flying sounded cool as well. and The Navy was the only one which could combine the two uh, for me. So, so I joined the Navy after university. Um, which was three years of loafing. I could have joined at 18 and, uh, and had, had much more of a career. Um, but, um, but no, I learned to fly the Lynx initially, flew the Mark 8 on the front line for a few years, and then, and then I've converted over to this um, for a few more years of front line service, hopefully.
1: Oh, fantastic. Um, what uh, other a- aircraft do you fly? You just fly uh, the Wildcat?
13: Just Wildcat um, at the moment. Um, as I said, the Lynx, Lynx Mark 8 was my, my, old, my old love, but, um, but I've, I've converted on this one now. Um, and with the amount of training that you need to do for each aircraft type in the military you very rarely skip from one type to the other, it's possible but um, but once you've learned your aircraft time you want to specialise on that and stay with it.
1: So have you have got got PPL or do you do any kind of uh, GA flying at all or is it just just purely based for the job you do?
13: No I don't I'm afraid, um, the weekends I spend with the family um, because because actually the Navy takes me away quite a lot um, which is fantastic news but not very popular with the wife and kids so uh, <laughs>
1: What about the future then? What, what uh, plan? Have you got any plans in place, uh, you know, do you want to progress on other types of uh, aircraft or you want
13: to? I think I've made my bed with Rotary Wing. Um, the Navy's obviously got a really bright future with the F-35 and a lot more fixed wing activity on our carriers. Um, however, I'm, I'm committed to, to Wildcat Aviation. Um, since I'm in my, well I'm 30, so hopefully I've got a, another 20, 25 years of service with the Royal Navy. So, so I'll look hopefully to rise through the ranks of the squadron and hopefully command a squadron one day.
1: So, a bit of uh, kind of inspiration for for our younger listeners uh, who are probably, you know, might want to join the Royal Navy and and get to the position where you are now. Any advice?
13: Yeah, for sure. Um, Keep your head down, study hard at school, join at 18 if you can. The Navy will give you a degree just for doing flying training. Um, And uh, and don't keep your options restricted to one of the service types. Each of the services will offer a different type of aviation. um, And the Navy particularly is expanding its horizons. Um, You'll be able to travel all over the world. And and I know that's a a well-trodden cliché, but we have ships all over the world at the moment in every ocean. Um, And with these new carriers coming online, it's, um, it's an exciting time to join the Navy.
1: So the question we ask uh, one of the last questions we always ask any pilots we interview at air shows, uh, Oliver, is uh, given the chance. And this is kind of a hard put you on the spot. Uh, given the chance to fly any aircraft, rotary wing, fixed, whatever, flying retired, what would it be? Just that if you could just jump in now and, and you know take the controls and
13: fly. Oh, really tough. <laughs> um, it would be rotary, and I think it would be the M sixty down the end. Um, It's a battle-hardened helicopter, it's massively capable, it's got huge range, and they do some of the most exciting missions um, that I've ever heard of. I've been talking to those guys this afternoon, and the idea of charging 700 miles into the desert to go and rescue some of your fallen comrades is is awesome. Um, So I think if I had my life again, that's what I'd do. Obviously I'd have to be American too. (laughs)
1: that helps yeah and have the weather as well to go with it well Oliver it's been fantastic to talk to you today uh, on the show and and I want to thank you for your time and your service as well and uh, all the best for the future So we're just watching the final display by the Petroulé de Suisse here at, uh, at Riyadh. And uh, here they go flying past. Excellent display by the Petroulé de Suisse. And uh, joining me here on the uh, grass overlooking the uh, flight line is uh, our resident photographer, at large. Uh, Dan Hannington. Hello Dan, how's things?
7: Hi Carlos, Uh, yeah very well thank you. Having a great day here at Riyadh. Um, Weather wasn't too good this morning but it's cleared up a bit now.
1: So what's been the highlights so far for you then Dan?
7: Um, The highlight for me I think was seeing the Thunderbirds as I've never seen them before Um, and yesterday was the F-22 Raptor. That was great. Um, The weather was a lot better yesterday so it was managed it was able to perform it wasn't today unfortunately so yeah the raptor's always a favorite
1: so you're uh you're obviously you were here yesterday obviously the weather was slightly better uh any displays yesterday which kind of were possibly better than today
7: um oh you put me on the spot now um <laughs> trying to think. Did the,
1: did the Reds display yesterday,
7: Dan? The Reds did display yesterday, yeah. Um, they, oh actually, I'll tell you, a highlight for me yesterday actually um, was the um, fly pass with the Red Arrows and the Thunderbirds in formation. It was a single fly pass and it was the only one for the weekend, so.
1: Yeah, I missed that, gutted. Yeah. I take it you got some good shots?
7: I got a couple of shots, yeah. I've, I put them out on social media. Um, but yeah, that, that, was, that was nice to see, the two uh, Air Forces display teams flying together.
1: Fantastic, so you're off, this is your last day here at Riyadh then, you're off home tomorrow?
7: Uh, off home tonight actually, As soon as the air show finishes I'm heading back home. i um, only done two days this year, last year I was here for four. Um, but yeah, I can only do two days this year.
1: Excellent, so uh, what else is uh, left to do for today then uh, Dan? Any more, any more displays or anything you've got? And uh, then we've got the C27J Spartan coming up in a bit.
7: Um, for me I think it's going to be the SU27. They're saying is going to display. Um, they're just talking about it now. That that is something I haven't seen for um, a long, long, long time. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that. So that that will be my last thing to see before I go home. I think.
1: Excellent. Well, thanks for joining us, Dan. It's been good to speak to you as always, and keep the uh, keep the uh, photography coming. Just for the benefit of those who uh, live in a hole somewhere, where can uh, people find your awesome photos on Instagram?
7: Okay, um, on Instagram, I am. Dh underscore aviation underscore photography, Um, Twitter. I'm at Dan Air, and yeah, that's it. Excellent.
1: So also with me is David Harris. David, you are our uh, resident BA expert here
10: today. Uh, What so? What's been the highlight for you here at the show then, David? Good to see you. uh, um Ten of us, counting this, you know, therefore here. Um, well, always good to see the PNRs and etc. Today's my uh, first out of three days, uh, so um, I'm here tomorrow and Monday as well. Um, got lots of airplanes to um, log yet. It's just a about the weather though. It's quite overcast here today, unfortunately.
1: So you've, you've been logging aircraft frantically on your pad. I can see you've been marking down stuff. Any of those uh, on static display that you're uh, really
10: keen to see? You've seen today. I haven't seen uh, the Australian E7 uh, show yeah, yet, it's always nice, yeah. nice to see some of um, US Air Force Heavies and stuff. Um, what else is there? I so, had some uh, just nice shots of the um, Thunderbirds uh, earlier on, that kind of thing. Okay. It's nice to see the uh, Canadian Air Force uh, C-17 Globemaster because um, that's really really, really are, uh, rare. Uh, there's two Airbus A400Ms here as well, which is quite rare because they normally only send in one really.
1: Have you seen David down the bottom there? There's an Iranian uh, Hercules.
10: I think an uh, Israeli one, I think it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's quite, that's quite rare.
1: See, so, yeah, that is rare. I did, did hear a little whisper. That is quite a rare thing to see here at the show. So I'll take it you've got some. Uh, you've took the details that one. I have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so anything left that you're looking forward to seeing then for the rest of the show? Obviously, we've got this. I've said
10: the damn. We've got the Spartan coming up soon. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure really. Just plenty uh, um, of all the static, and then uh, um, enjoy the show tomorrow. Uh, really. Well, I hope you enjoy the rest of the show
1: uh, today, David, and tomorrow, and uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. Thank you, thanks. Hey. So that was the first then of the uh, interviews. Yeah, took one of at, two, uh, of four, one of four, one of two, of oh, four interviews. Yeah, four interviews, uh, two interviews, two. Yeah, we just played two interviews, <laughs> but there's no, there's three left. There's three more pilot ones left.
4: Yes, there is, Matt. Um. Absolutely confused. Yeah.
1: There is honestly. Okay. If you check your check your emails, there's three more pilot interviews okay. left. Stay tuned, everyone. This is yeah. a surprise to me as well. Uh, <laughs> they're in the drop <laughs> box, man. They're in the they're drop not. box. They're not. That's the problem.
2: One one is missing. One's I...
1: emailed to you to you, direct your direct email. Oh, me. you see, and that's that, where and we and went wrong. And I did wrong. tell you on WhatsApp yeah. that, that, you? that was okay. what i have okay. done. Yeah, but I don't read the show notes You, you replied, can't expect me to read yes. my WhatsApps as well. <laughs> well, can you? I mean, come on, man. I think I think he replies to his WhatsApp without without thinking. Yeah, you know, it's fine.
2: Yeah, I'm a busy guy. What can I say? No, but that was that was.
1: (laughs) That was the first of four pilot interviews at uh, Um. at, uh, Ria. And a big thanks uh, to everyone involved. It uh, was a great Sunday. Really enjoyed that day immensely. The weather really did let us down in the morning, Mm. uh, unfortunately. Uh, But they did get some quite uh, good uh, flights in. And, uh, yeah, and uh, obviously, you know, a big thanks again to Jonathan Warner for Mm. a... Loaning me his camera. Yes,
2: indeed. Yeah, absolutely. So
1: next up, we've got a little piece sent in by listener Barbara Parrish. So we're going to listen to that right now.
9: Hi, Carlos and Matt. It's Barbara here. Although I wasn't able to watch the Plane Talking UK, Australian and New Zealand episode live last week, I watched it later and thoroughly enjoyed it. So with big thanks to all our aviation friends and cousins down under. I have really enjoyed Nev's focus on the airline passenger experience and the interviews have been very interesting. The passenger perspective is one that we very rarely focus on, so thank you Nev and Plain Talking UK. The passenger or airline customer is at the heart of the airline industry. Booking and planning air travel In these modern times can be so complicated and stressful. It's so important therefore that when passengers finally board that plane they are genuinely welcomed aboard with a smile and feel that the cabin crew or flight attendants genuinely want to look after them regardless of whether they are sat in first-class, business class or economy. Kindness, warmth and a smile go a long way with people. And of course the glamour, it's so important to be smart and glamorous, it's so important for the cabin crew to look their best, and it certainly is for me. Whether you have good or bad service can really influence which airline you choose to fly with next time. I just wanted to redress the balance a little because I know British Airways which is My Flag Airline. It represents my flag and my country. Well, it's had a lot of bad press lately and some real problems. A couple of weeks ago, on Plane Talking UK, Nev interviewed a particular passenger's experience of British Airways. I know some people are regular flyers with BA. I know for this person their British Airways experience hadn't been a good one, particularly regarding how they were treated by the cabin crew or flight attendants. But I wanted to redress the balance and mention my experience of flying British Airways to the meet-up of Pittsburgh in May this year. I have flown a lot in my life and flown on many different airlines, but this year I chose to fly British Airways after many, many years and I wasn't sure what I would experience. But I have to say the service in economy was very, very good. Yes, my wine came a little late with the meal, but my upgraded meal was delicious and the most important thing for me was that the cabin crew were lovely. They were a mixed fleet crew, quite young in their 20s and 30s. They were smart and glamorous. They were pleasant, full of smiles, and so very helpful. Just as, and actually, may I say more smiley than the United Arab Emirates crew I flew with three years ago. When there was a quiet time during the flight, they even welcomed me with open arms into the galley to speak to me. They were so happy to answer my questions on their life as cabin crew. And how their work rotors all worked. Did they like their job, etc., etc.? They were all genuinely, they all genuinely loved their job as cabin crew and working for British Airways. You know, and I meet a lot of fake people in my life, but these were not false or fake. Totally genuine, so friendly. I was a nurse for about 18 years, and like people in many other professions and jobs, there are those who really are enthusiastic about their work and go the extra mile for you, and then the others who don't, or are just very unhappy in themselves and it shows in their job. But we all have good days and bad days. Then there is the strange phenomenon of the great team of people on duty, or the terrible team on duty. You know it's funny how teams and dynamics of certain people working together either gel or don't and it does notice to those who are being served. I know British Airways has had a lot of bad press recently, things have gone wrong and the cabin crew strikes and I'm not going into any detail about that but we have to acknowledge that many British Airways cabin crew are facing, I believe, pay cuts, cuts to bonuses and also changes to their working patterns, etc. None of us would find that pleasant either. We all need to pay the bills and we all have financial commitments. As I say, I am not making judgments either way as to whether striking is right or wrong, but the truth is there is a lot of politics at the moment in British Airways and British Airways is trying to adapt to an ever-changing airline industry and global world. At one time British Airways was one of the best airlines in the world, right at the top and some would argue it still is. But something has changed within British Airways and many people don't see it as the airline it once was. So why is that? Maybe the problem is that it's lost its patriotic soul and spirit, that patriotic passion amongst its staff and managers and directors that it once had. It was British. You know, we we were all proud of that. The nation was proud of its airline. We had Concorde right at its centre. It was our flag, airline, and it had the highest of those old traditional British values and standards that we were once so renowned for the world over. Soul and having a spirit is so important in any business, something that makes it unique and special. The problem now in a global world is that often that spirit and soul is drowned out by money, always taking precedence always the bottom line. The airline industry has become so competitive and cutthroat, and dare I say it, global, which can be of benefit in some ways but also brings blandness and a loss of that soul and spirit. And I would love for everyone to say again just how marvellous British Airways is. Did you know I read a well-known famous book in the airline world called Coffee, Tea or Me? It's a brilliant book and I'd really recommend anyone who loves the airline industry to read it. It's called Coffee, Tea or Me and it's about two air stewardesses experiences working for an American airline in the 1960s. Do you know that those American airlines always wanted to model their air hostesses on the British air hostess model? because it was considered back then the best. So come on, British Airways, fly that flag with pride and be the best again. And you know this inspired me to do some research into the history of British Airways and its service to passengers. And I could perhaps share that with the the listeners um, on one of your episodes. Anyway, so take care, Matt and Carlos and everyone. Bye-bye.
1: So a massive thank you to Barbara for sending that in for us.
2: I think we all agree. I think they really should like, come on British Airways. Yeah, put you some know.
1: tinsel and stuff on and some <laughs> LED lights and Right. Okay. Sparkly I think it might banners. take a little more than that. Oh, okay. Uh, you know. You know, what they should do yeah. karaoke on board all aircraft. Karaoke on board all
10: aircraft. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine? This that? is a great idea. Yeah.
1: And you heard it here right. first. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> moving swiftly on then, yes, uh, we have got uh, something coming up next which has especially been especially asked for by uh, by Matt. Yes. It's been homework.
2: Yeah, Yeah. this is this. I I set pips from homework. Now, Mm. those of you who uh, were at. um, Duxford will know that uh, the start of our, our flying display at Duxford was opened by the wonderful Red Arrows. Woo-hoo! Now, they got, I think it was about five minutes in, if I remember correctly, Nev. <laughs> was it something like that? I think they they had yeah, been, yeah. been going long. They'd I been mean, going about five minutes, uh, and suddenly the skies went really quiet. Uh, then they, um, is it Red 10 or whoever it is that does the PA? Is it Red 10 who does the PA? Anyway, whoever's yeah. doing the commentary. Uh, then came over to say that we just had to halt the display uh, because our... So Somebody has infringed the airspace, and then he sort of briefly mentioned the word NOTAMs. Now, Carlos had sort of sort of shown me the NOTAMs um, uh, right, the, that were in place for the airshow, and I got a little bit confused. So uh, I text Pip and asked him for his, uh, his expert opinion.
9: Plane safety from the flight deck with Pilot Pip.
12: Hi there everyone, it's Pip here with another segment. Now whilst you lot were off enjoying yourselves the other week at Duxford, uh, there was a rather unfortunate event involving the Red Arrows and Matt sent me a little text message about it. Uh, He said that while we were at Duxford the Red Arrows were halted during their show because some moron with a lawnmower engine strapped to a kite decided to wander into the Red Arrows exclusion zone. It would be great to know more about no-tams and what's the procedure when someone does violate the arrows airspace. Okay well yes happy to talk about that and unfortunately it is a pretty frequent event that uh, the Red Arrows have to call off or at least temporarily halt their display because someone in a light aircraft, a helicopter, a paraglider or something hasn't read the NOTAMs and hasn't adequately prepared for their flight and they've gone blundering right through the middle of the display zone. So first of all Matt mentioned NOTAMs there. What's a NOTAM? A NOTAM is a notice to airmen and um, we've talked about those before but specifically with regards to air shows, all airshow events will publish a NOTAM and this is a bit of information telling the general flying public when and where their are airshow is and if it has any restricted airspace around it and they typically do especially when the red arrows are displaying you know these are fast aircraft doing high energy manoeuvres so they need to have a bit of airspace around the airfield uh, protected just for them so that they can fly without um, worrying that they're going to crash into someone who's bimbling through and typically uh, no tamed restricted airspace or temporary restriction on airspace around an airfield will be something like six miles centred on the airfield. Uh, I'm looking at the NOTAM that was been issued for the Shuttleworth air show on August 7th, and they've got a bit of airspace, circular airspace centred on the airfield, six miles in diameter, up to I think about four thousand feet, which seems pretty reasonable. So this means that during the times stated on the Notam and during those that geographical area as stated on the NOTAM that you are not allowed to fly in that airspace and it's incumbent upon any uh, pilot, general aviation pilot, to make sure that they have gone out before their flight and adequately prepared and researched before they get airborne. They need to know what NOTAMs affect them for their flight. So where can you go and find these NOTAMs? Well actually there's all sorts of places mobile phone apps, websites, uh, all kinds of places you can find them but they all Uh, will come from uh, one source and that would be the AIS, the Aeronautical Information Service, administered by Nats. It has an online tool, it's very simple, you can go online, you can type in the area of which you're interested, the bit of sky that you're going to be flying in and it will bring up all the NOTAMs associated for that area and for that time and it will state very clearly what's affecting you. And it's not just restricted airspace associated with air shows that will show up on your notam search it might show you all sorts of things perhaps UAV or drone events or uh, low level aerial filming or gliding competitions for instance all sorts of information but particularly it will very clearly tell you when and where the restricted airspaces are for the air shows and I would suggest that any pilot takes a close look at them and gives them a very wide berth. So I use the example of the Old Warden or Shuttleworth Air Show next month, has a six mile zone around it. Well, you know, if I was planning a flight, I wouldn't aim to avoid that by just half a mile, you know, fly six and a half miles from it. I'd give it a really wide berth just to be on the safe side. So it's really important that before every single flight, uh, a pilot Thoroughly checks his NOTAMs. Not only is it important, it's a legal requirement and you can get yourselves in a whole heap of trouble if you are found to have violated a restricted airspace. There have been numerous cases in the past where pilots have been traced and taken to court by the CAA and prosecuted for violating uh, airspace associated with red arrows displays. Uh, most recently there was a case in 2016, again at the uh, old Warden Shuttleworth Air Show, a helicopter on its way from London. The guy obviously hadn't checked his NOTAMs and he went bimbling right through the middle of the zone and the Red Arrows had to abandon their display, which obviously upset a lot of the general public, thousands of people who had turned out to see them. And that particular gentleman was taken to court and found guilty and he was, well, he lost his license and he was fined, uh, I think about three and a half thousand pounds plus some costs payable to the CAA. So not a fun day out for him at all. Uh, And he's not the only one. There have been others as well. I was just reading of a Belgian pilot back in 2005 who managed to bust the zone around the Shoreham air show. And similarly, he was taken to court, prosecuted and fined a similar amount. Uh, three or four thousand pounds all for the sake of a few minutes spent checking the notams and you know what if you haven't got an internet connection well there's lots of other ways you can check the notams there's even a free phone number that you can call and listen to a recorded message and it will tell you uh, all of the restricted airspace and relevant notams for that day but really in this day and age there's no excuse as I say you can get them on your mobile phones Uh, There's software like Skydemon will automatically plot all the NOTAMs for you and give it to you in graphical form so you can see exactly where all these restricted zones are. So no excuse. You may well have heard us mention before on various podcasts that NOTAMs can be a bit of a pain in the backside to go through. Uh, And that's true when we're looking at it from an airline perspective, Um, particularly if you're flying a very long flight, a long haul flight across continents and oceans you might get literally dozens and dozens of pages of NOTAM. So uh, the NOTAM system in itself is very dated. Uh, It's a bit old fashioned and it really isn't very efficient at all. And it desperately needs updating. But for the general aviation pilot, just doing a short leg, short hop around the country between a couple of small airfields, then actually it's really quite simple. You can go on yourself, uh, have a look at the website and you can even have a little play around with it. Uh, Every country has their own uh, version of this. Uh, The NATS one you can find if you just search NATS AIS or NATS-UK.ead.it.com. It's all very accessible. So what's the process when it does happen uh, when an aircraft accidentally strays into some restricted airspace? What does that mean for the Red Arrows? Well, unfortunately, it means they've got to stop what they're doing, uh, either temporarily or you know permanently for that day. Uh, They can't take the risk of having a small aircraft flying through because they don't know what he's gonna be doing. They don't know where he's going. They don't know if he's gonna change direction suddenly, is he gonna climb, is he gonna descend? It's a complete unknown. So the only course of action open to them is just to stop their display, go off, maybe hold somewhere or even land or abandon the whole thing as has happened several times before. Uh, And how do these aircraft get spotted? Well, it could be the Red Arrows themselves see this guy as they're doing their display and call a halt to it. Uh, More likely, it will be someone on radar. Uh, A local ATC unit perhaps has spotted the aircraft. Uh, Certainly, with this helicopter last year, uh, that helicopter pilot was actually talking to a radar controller, at Luton, who warned him, told him precisely what was going on at the air show, but somehow he managed to get it wrong anyhow. Uh, As I've mentioned before, there is a small number of pilots who seem to think it's a good idea to fly around without their transponders switched on, because they think they're they're hidden. Um, But therein lies danger, really, because if they've not checked their NOTAMs and they go off and uh, fly through the middle of a Red Arrows display, they're really putting everyone in a lot of danger, because uh, the Reds can't see them, perhaps, and they're certainly not visible on radar. Well, at least not secondary radar, anyhow and of course actually it's not just the displays themselves that you have to watch out for uh, the red arrows will usually transit at low level uh, on their way from scampton or wherever they happen to be down to the air show itself uh, you'll quite often see them or i've seen them certainly several times uh, whizzing across at just a few hundred feet and those are notams as well those routes that they're taking and the times that can also be found in notam so it's a good idea if you see the Red Arrows are, are transiting close to where you want to be, well then just have a think about that and give it uh, a bit of a wide berth or perhaps just delay your flight uh, 10 or 15 minutes to let them go by. And incidentally, that does work both ways. Uh, the Red Arrows uh, have been known on several occasions to be not quite where or when they said they were going to be. In fact, each of the Red Arrows NOTAMs does come with a little caveat saying times and locations are approximate and may change uh, with little notice due to weather, operational reasons, that sort of thing. So you you do have to be on your guard. All goes back to the basic principle of see and avoid. Okay folks that's it for this segment. We'll hopefully catch you all on another episode of Plane Talking UK. Take care all. Bye.
1: Massive thank you as always to Pip for sending that in to us yeah. today. Great, And, and yes, thanks also thanks for doing interesting. your homework. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you've done, done his homework. You've done his, done his homework, <laughs> yeah. Well Absolutely. done, Pip. Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting to hear exactly what you yeah. have to do well, and what uh, things are in place for that kind of uh, I mean I,
2: I was familiar with with the phrase no tams only because obviously hmm. we were discussing Notice it. Fact, to M. And actually before the before all the air show started, Carlos actually showed me like all the notes. Yeah, it was on there. And, yeah. and what was what was yeah. occurring as I say and then I I, I know it was very un- unfair of me to
1: describe it as a uh, lawnmower engine stress. To a That's glider, one of the other to, things as yeah. well, Matt. You know, you're <laughs> yeah. you saying just then about that. No, Tams, that I, that I could see him. It's yeah. it's not just something that pilots can see. Yeah, it's it's, open, it's not it's restricted to just yeah, pilots. Yeah, you know, there, there's a really good app, uh, and, and which, and did, uh, which I've got on my phone. And which Mr. Microlight Flyer basically didn't do his homework. Yeah. So. Uh, it's called Aero Weather. It's on okay. iOS and Android. It's called Aero Weather, oh. and on um, well, Android, you say. You know, yeah, it's on What's Android. that?
5: Uh, <laughs> it's on. Yeah, there we go. It's Aero yeah, Weather. Yeah. Nev's shaking oh, his head here. It's just, oh, just no. Yeah. That's not really working
4: that well, is it? <laughs> no, indeed. Uh,
13: Nev doesn't. It, know. Yeah, <laughs> but that app. But basically, that's it, it's Android.
1: It, yeah. Uh, What's Android, Nev? We're just going to shut their microphones <laughs> off a minute. <laughs> Basically, that app can tell you the weather or anything at no times at any airport in the UK <laughs> or the world. Right, indeed. Okay, good. <laughs> right, good. so <coughs> moving on then, we've got one last piece we of have. awesome, awesome, awesome feedback. Well, it's a kind of segment, really. Mm. And uh, if you remember a few weeks back, we were talking about uh, turbulence and uh, kind of uh, things being thrown around cabins and people injuring yeah. themselves and uh, stuff. We did. And, uh, well, Captain Nick has yeah. very, very kindly... Uh, put together a little interesting piece all about uh, turbulence and uh, from the pilot's point of view. So
2: as they say on APG, then it's your seat back tables, please, in their upright (laughs) position as we welcome APG royalty to the show.
0: Hi there, Matt and Carlos. It's the old pilot here. A few episodes ago, you were chatting about some turbulence, which hit an A380, Emirates, I think. And you asked how the pilots knew if it was there or not, and when pilots decide to put the seatbelt signs on. So I thought I'd just send in a little bit of uh, feedback, perhaps, to answer some of your questions. Uh, there are some guides as to how turbulence should be described such as uh, occupants may feel a slight strain against seat belts or shoulder straps. Unsecured objects may be displaced slightly. Food service may be conducted and little or no difficulty is encountered walking. This would be light turbulence and for that we probably wouldn't need the belts to go on. The next level would feel like this occupants feel definite strains against seat belts or shoulder straps unsecured objects are dislodged food service and walking are difficult now that's moderate and for that i would definitely put the seat belt signs on the worst would be severe which is described as occupants are forced violently against seat belts or shoulder straps unsecured objects are tossed about Food service and walking are impossible. So, at this point, I would expect our crew to seat themselves uh, and secure themselves uh, in, having, of course, tidied up uh, what they can, uh, make sure there are no loose trolleys around and nothing that can fly around and uh, injure people. Um, So, how do we know when one of those levels of turbulence is coming? Okay, when we brief for a flight, we get a standard significant weather chart with our route marked on it, and on it are the areas where we can expect turbulence and the severity forecast in that area. Uh, They're a fairly generic, uh, and they cover a large area, but they show within dotted lines areas of expected turbulence. The symbol that looks like an upturned V on a straight line is moderate, and if it has a second upturned V over the top, it means severe. They are valid for six hours and forecast ahead for 24 hours, so they're not exactly super accurate, particularly towards the end of uh, forecast. Uh, Other systems provide forecasts, such as the Jefferson uh, Flight Deck Pro, but again, they're just a forecast. And in addition, if there are known areas of forecast air traffic controllers, will uh, almost certainly advise us, uh, and they will also uh, uh, issue SIGMETs, Significant Metrology Warnings, which may cover a large area, uh, and that'll usually mean plotting out latitudes and longitudes to form a kind of a box, or certainly the boundaries of an area of turbulence and what you can expect within that. So all those systems are available. Our radar, of course, shows us areas of clouds and turbulence within the cloud uh, by measuring uh, the velocity of the water droplets moving, but that requires the presence of water drops to bounce the radar off. Clear air turbulence, the kind that is often unexpected, doesn't occur within clouds. Obviously, it would then be cloudy air turbulence. no, No, it's not a thing. Okay, that's just me. Um, It's often created at the boundaries of those fast-moving streams of air we call jet streams. And they uh, uh, spin around the world. Uh, There's, generally speaking, a line of them uh, going uh, in the subtropical uh, regions, both uh, uh, north and south of the equator. They're fairly permanent. And there's also one between the polar and temperate regions, but that's more associated with weather fronts. Uh, So they're the kinds that we normally get across the Atlantic. Uh, The presence of jet stream we can see um, by watching the changes in the wind speed and direction on the readout we get from our inertial reference systems, or by spotting a change in the outside air temperature. Um, But that can often be a bit late. The boundary can sometimes be quite abrupt between smooth air and turbulent air. Other phenomena such as wave turbulence can affect us. Uh, This can be caused in several ways, but the easiest to understand is when air is deflected up by a line of mountains and the effect can continue into the upper atmosphere and it continue to be reflected for hundreds of miles uh, downwind of a... of a mountain uh, range. If we're lucky, we can identify waves by the specific lenticular clouds that can form at the peak of each wave. The best method for working out if there's turbulence ahead is from PIREPS, that is pilot reports from the aircraft ahead. Most of us despair at the constant inquiries about light turbulence because that really doesn't uh, affect us or certainly doesn't affect our safety. But when we hear about moderate or severe, obviously, our ears prick up. But when we're alone in an area and we start to feel the air moving, after many thousands of hours and millions of miles of experience, we can usually feel the distinctive type of movement that clear air turbulence gives as it builds up, and we can usually get the seatbelt signs on in time to secure the cabin. However, sometimes, of course, it comes upon us without any warning and that will obviously be a problem for anyone who's not properly secured. This is why I always mention in my PA, welcoming everyone onto the aircraft, that the safest way to travel is with your seatbelts properly fastened whenever seated.
2: And I think that's probably the best advice never a anybody... Could. word. No, indeed. The best advice you could ever possibly get given, I think. We are going to say yeah. a massive it's... thank
1: you to, uh, to Captain Nick for mm. sending that uh yeah. that little segment in for us there. very kind of unique for saying mm. he takes a lot of time and effort and put in putting his bits together for us and obviously apg as well yeah and the production content is also awesome so we've got nev and nick
4: i know what more I could know. we need, what, more Absolutely. Could we need? Well, what were you going to say then owen sorry uh, it's just fantastic to hear uh the perspective of pilot um and what goes on when uh, into making those decisions mm. of when to put on seatbelt signs and Definitely. that sort of thing especially for for us I mean, I've only really had one incident where, uh, uh, funnily enough, where we crossed behind an an A380. Right. As you do. The the c weren't on when uh, a a fair bit of turbulence came in. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, It was was a a really nice perspective. So, thank you, Nick.
3: Indeed.
2: So uh, before we start to wrap up the show, obviously, Nev, um, we've got a really special interview. I think it's a really special interview uh, Mm. coming up um, next week. So uh, perhaps you could promo that for us now.
3: Yeah, I've been very fortunate actually. I was down at the BBC on uh, Wednesday of this week and you listen to House him name dropping yes. as <laughs> you do. Yeah. Wandered him uh, casually I off the street. Had a yeah. very nice interview with a chap called Richard Westcott and Richard is the BBC's transport correspondent and uh, you'll see him on on television and listen to him on radio and that kind of thing. And I really wanted to have a chat with him about things like, you know, our, our usual pet hate, you know, incorrect uh-huh. and inaccurate media reporting and how he goes about Uh, making sure that he gets all the facts it's a really interesting interview and after you've heard it you'll know exactly why Mm. Uh, he does a a very good job of of all the stories that he covers so that was a a great chance to, uh, to chat with him has been very generous with, with time, and I've just sent the interview into the guys uh, this week, so we'll play yeah. that out uh, on next week's show, because I shan't be around. I've got some work commitments unfortunately uh, yeah. next week, but uh, yeah. uh, there'll be the usual <laughs> Nev's uh,
2: passenger <laughs> segment. Um, yes. So we won't be without uh, Nev, that's the main uh, thing. We won't be I without be Nev. There. His dulcet tones all, will be joining us. Yeah. Yes, they'll just be on tape sadly next week. But oh, that's uh, a shame. Yeah, indeed. It's um, yeah, And uh, it's uh, time really, as I say, we've got a, a very special weekend coming up next week. Yes,
1: so next weekend we're not going to be doing a show on friday nope. Nope. Uh, next weekend we are going to be live on on location Sunday, yeah. on location at the old buckingham air show yeah. now that's uh, going to be um, uh, our first time there at old buck we're going to do the live stream like we did at seething last year so those of you guys who are across the globe can watch the action in the sky hopefully yeah. as long as everything works should do. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, if you want to take yourselves over to uh, all of Matt will put the uh, link in the show notes yep. for the show. Uh, take yourselves over to there because you can click on there and purchase tickets if you're in the area for the air show. Now, on the uh, Sunday, they've got some really good acts lined up. Uh, they've got uh, Supermarine Spitfire MH434. They've got uh, Matt Summers with the Vans. RV-8, Nigel Wilson with the Yak-52 they've got the Wildcats there, always great to see the Wildcats they've got the Extra and the model extra as well flying alongside, which is awesome to see. Uh, They've got the Hawker Hurricane as well flying. Uh, Otto the helicopter, which is really funny to see. That's um, uh, one of those helicopters with the big eyes on the front and stuff. It's uh, quite funny for the kids to love that one. Uh, Brendan O'Brien's Flying Circus. Now, this one, this guy is going to be landing uh, an aircraft on a moving trailer being towed by a uh, 4x4, so that'll be good to see. They've got the Beechcraft Stagger Wing doing a display. Uh, Rod Dean is going to be there as well flying his aircraft. The Shark P 51 Mustang, that's also great to see with the shark teeth on the front of the cowlings there. And also a special uh, p- uh, special aircraft flying in and doing a few fly pasts for uh, the old Buckingham guys will be the Sally B. That's the B seventeen Flying Fortress uh, from Duxford. She'll be flying and doing a nice little display pass and stuff for us there. So take yourselves over to there, the old Buckingham air show, and uh, if you're going to be in the area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, please, yeah. hopefully, so there'll be the some Saturday- of you guys.
2: Although we're only doing a live show on the Sunday, uh, myself and Owen, all being well, will be representing PTUK uh, at our little store, which is where we're going to do the live show from on the Sunday. So we'll be... Uh, myself and Owen will be there, so you can come meet both of us if you are going to the old Buckingham Air show. And... Um, yeah, as I say, I mean most people aren't going to be coming there to see me. I'm not under any illusions whatsoever. they will be there wanting there to see oh, Owen. <laughs> so that will be no, 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 Matt. We're...
4: <laughs> we're... But uh... myself included, we're coming to see you.
2: Yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and then on the Sunday, uh, it's the dream team. Let's be honest. It's myself and Carlos, and uh, yeah, we're going to attempt, and I do stress attempt, uh, technology permitting. We're going to do a live show uh, with all the usual bits and pieces. We've got as as uh, Nev uh, pre- previewed a moment. Ago. We've got a great segment from from Mr. Westcott. We're going to be. I'm really looking forward to hearing that in its entirety. And uh, yeah, Nev just casually popped in that uh, uh, he's. They just popped into. They, you just wandered into an un, currently unused radio studio, didn't you, to do yeah, your interview? Yeah, <laughs> the, you the thing <laughs> about the <laughs> new
3: broadcasting house, it, it's a huge building, but there's very little spare space. Yes, actually. So, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it was good. And uh, there we are. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so, uh, uh, that'll be a very good thing. So uh, yeah, yeah I can't the wait. cat has just turned up as well. Indeed, so absolutely. We do start, like so. a feline friend on the show.
2: Indeed. Uh, so that's going to be uh, that's going to be really good fun and then yeah. obviously Nev's passenger experience. Um, yeah. I can't remember who it is. Can you remember who it is next week, sir?
3: Yes, I can. And it's a bit of a treat actually. Oh. It's uh, another chum of mine, Richard Coborn, oh. and I would describe him as the lovey's lovey Oh, you you will you will love him today. He, he's, he's, he's a
1: great great fella to be good so don't fun. forget not next Friday it's next Sunday, Sunday. Yep, okay. we're going to be live yep. at the air show which means hopefully all being well the audio version will be released on yep. the Monday so, so, uh, so we're going to say a massive thanks then to everyone who's joined us on the live show tonight in the YouTube chat room and the, the uh, chat room's been really busy tonight has, as always yeah. so a massive thanks to you guys and girls who've joined us in there tonight and also a big thanks as well to everyone who downloads the show yes, each week absolutely. on iTunes and all the other relevant podcasting type apps. As I'm sure because Owen's been studying the numbers
2: uh, we yes. are very very proud <laughs> of our numbers at the moment it's uh, yeah. we, uh, w- wow just thank you guys it makes us feel like we're very not nice wasting our time happen. every very week happen. frankly so thank you so very much
1: and uh, hope you've everyone. enjoyed all the because we've had a lot of content in tonight's yep. episode we, so we hope yep. you've enjoyed all the interviews and yep. all the little segments which have been sent in don't forget send us in your audio bits if you want to send us Please some audio do. feedback yep. in you yep. can send them to it is
2: podcast at plaintalkinguk.com you can send us some messages uh, via facebook so it's facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk and obviously the best way to, to get a hold of us is to tweet you can tweet all of
1: us uh, via Plane Talking UK. So that's it. That's where we bring episode number 174 to a close. Big thanks to Owen for joining us on the show tonight, Owen. Yep. Have a safe flight tomorrow. Yeah, Where Thank are you off
2: you to anyway, Um I'm,
4: I'm, I'm going to Berlin and then I'm going to uh, tour tomorrow. Um, if. Weather permitting. Yes. Uh, we Actually,
2: while, while we were uh, listening to those segments, Carlos drew up, drew up the uh, the uh, lightning map uh, for the two areas to which uh, Owen is supposed to be going to tomorrow. And it's looking quite unfriendly, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Indeed.
4: It, well, I'm, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that it's only a two-sector day and that somebody else gets the... Uh, f- the, the fortune of yeah. getting my other two flags there we tomorrow. are that's really? looking lovely for those, yes, of you, those of you watching the YouTube um, feed you could probably see on my camera yeah, absolutely those
1: pulsating orange and yes. red bits near yes. where Owen's flying tomorrow yes so good luck <laughs> Owen uh, we'll all be thinking of
2: you as you're marooned in some unpleasant part of Europe and also uh, a, so massive thanks, it, 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 a massive thanks um,
1: massive thanks as always to uh, Nev for joining us as well again yeah. this week Our
2: absolutely uh, what's the name of your furry friend sir oh, this is uh, Tom Tom and uh, that's Tom, Tom was a
3: stray cat. Um, <laughs> Is Tom a cat? We, we, he's just turned up at our house. So Did he? Uh, oh. we, we had him chipped and we've had him for, gosh, six years now. I think wow. I guess, so. Yes, wow. he's made himself very at home.
4: Yes, yeah, oh. absolutely. What a lovely fellow. <laughs> yes. uh, so oh. that's
2: it. That's where we wrap up the show. Thanks very much to everyone. Uh, uh, we'll see you next Sunday if you're going to join us for the yeah, live show.
4: Looking forward to seeing you all on Saturday if you're coming on Saturday as well. That's great right to meet yeah. you as well. Indeed. Take care, guys. We'll see you all very soon. Bye bye. Bye
5: bye.